Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From his undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 22nd of December, year of our Lord 2017, and I'm late by, what, two days? Sorry. Work got in the way. Great podcast day. We're going to talk cover the tax bill. We have an incredible segment on some Christmas shows and the crazy left who want to destroy Christmas with their tomfoolery and craziness. We're going to cover that, our main segment today, and of course, news and social media nuggets. So that we can end on a positive note, we're going to flip things up today, and we're going to do uh, our regular close-the-loop tweets, hate, hypocrisy, stats, into news and social media nuggets, and then we're going to end on Christmas, because, you know, it's like like two days away, the fat man's flying, so um, before we close the loop, I wanted to hit the tax bill, which it's a done deal. Um, I had made this segment for Wednesday and, uh, as we worked on it, I had all the craziness and then it got passed because I didn't get done or get, get on the mic in time. So uh, the initial takes, I, I think are classic from the left because, you know, there's no way for them to play this. This is a good deal for American people. You're going to get more money in your pocket. Yeah, it's not long term. And yes, rich are going to get richer because they're going to get a huge corporate tax cut of 10%. So it's like, oh my gosh, the rich are getting rich. Well, you know what? Under Obama, the rich got richer. Under Clinton, everybody, presidents are rich. Rich people get hooked up. They're the people that pay for the campaign. So if you're that stupid out there on the resistance that you believe, oh, the rich get rich, those Republicans only care about, shut up. For the record, SHIP has nothing to do with this. Nobody's losing any benefits. And all the lies about insurance, is it's because people aren't forced to buy it anymore. So that's the 13 more people of people of color, as they're saying on the new media. All black women are all getting fucked. They can't get abortions, and they're not going to have food stamps. Shut up. No, that's true. But they're losing their mind. So... Scott Dorkwin, never forget, on December 20th, 2017, Republicans took health care away from 13 million people. Charles C.W. Cook, a day that will live in bullshit, because he was trying to go on the December 7th. And back to Dorkwin, what the fuck is wrong with him, Ellen Carmichael said. Pearl Harbor 9-11 tax cuts of 2017. That's what they're equating. Somebody nailed it. Never forget, some people think not forcing you to buy something means it's taken away. Terry McGlynn, I don't want a tax cut. I want to maintain bridges, less infant mortality, well-paid teachers, federal-funded science, my Social Security back, clean water, natural parks, renewable energy. I don't want a tax cut. That's what the rest of the resistance was doing. And people said, well, fine, write a fucking check. And they even gave the Attention Department G, Bureau of Fiscal Service, P.O. Box 2188, Parkersburg, Virginia, West Virginia. Send your money. Rosie... Leads off our ignorant Hollywood people. We cannot sit at home while they rob our nation. Your neighbor's health care for the fucking Mercers and Koch brothers. Fuck them. Rise up. Decency and honor. We need to clean house. I can't even call 911. Crime in progress. U.S. Senate. This is too much. And eight more meltdowns. Bet Midler. Tax reform bill is passed. Think your health care and education are bad now? Prepare for immigrant. Canada is looking for brains. Bye, bet. 
Chelsea Handler talks to former Zoltan's sweeping success in 2018 for minorities everywhere. We'll finally like people to public office who know a thing or two about compassion and empathy. Don't give up the fight. The world is getting browner and gayer. It's going to be beautiful. Princess Leia. Well, a brown gay president did not move forward his tax reform now, did he? <laughs> Some people said Obama was on the down low. Alyssa Milano, stealing from the poor and giving to the rich. Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. There are so many who literally struggle through blood, sweat, and tears to make ends meet, put food on the table, pay bills, and are just a paycheck away from being homeless. And this is what the corrupt GOP wants to put us through. Malou, one of her followers, while stealing wealth and future prospects of children and grandchildren. Leftists now call keeping your own money stealing. CNN leads us in the media, and I have a huge... I had one I dumped, but I, I got a huge soundbite we're going to play. Senate is debating the GOB tax bill, which is expected to pass despite dwindling approval. Here's the reality. When Obamacare went into fruition, GOP did the scare tactics. Sadly, they were right. I mean, you weren't going to keep your health care. Everybody's stuff was going to double, and it was a tax. So what the GOP actually said on that was true. But the overall approval rating of Obamacare was horrible. Well, all we've heard is the rich are getting richer. People are going to, 100,000 people are going to die, but the media doesn't power curve that like they do with Obama. Well, the people don't, they don't like Obamacare because the GOP is scaremongered it. Well, they're not saying that here. They're part of the scaremongering on the tax cut. Associated Press, breaking House passes first rewrite a nation's tax law in three decades, provides steep tax cuts for businesses, the wealthy. Somebody said, I'm not rich. I'm getting a significant cut. They're doubling the standard deduction on average $2,000 extra per person. That's what you're going to get every year. David French, alternate headline, House passes a tax cut for 80% of Americans. The only people that aren't getting a tax cut are the people that don't need a tax cut. The ones that get free, they get $7,000 of tax returns, even though they didn't make but $15,000 a year. Those people don't get a cut because what else we are going to pay them? CBS News, GOP tax scam is simply theft, monumental, brazen theft from the American middle class and from every person who aspires to reach it. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. And this takes us into the political side of it. This is what Democrats are saying. Nancy Pelosi's next one. Shamefully, Republicans were cheering against the children as they robbed from their future and ransacked the middle class reward the rich. Which? The rich. Let's try the rich. Now, that, that, that could be the time that the media could do what they're supposed to do, which is to say, during Obama, during Obama, all the GOP cared about was the deficit. During Obama, all the Democrats said was, fuck it. We're going to spend more money on, on social shit. Now, all of a sudden, Democrats care about the deficit. They didn't give a fuck for eight years. But do you hear Chuck Toad or Brian Seltzer talking about it? Oh, no, 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 no. They're, they're part of it. Buck Sexton, Pelosi's commentary is so insane, she robs us of the ability to sanitize, satirize her, which I thought was really funny, but I fucked it up when I read it. Diane Feinstein, public tax bill caps the deduction for state and local taxes at 10000 In 2015, more than 6 million California households claimed a SALT deduction with an average deduction of 18400 Bottom line, California families pay more, so corporations pay less. 
She then said, tax bill, that's a rewrite of the same thing. Ted Lieu, GOP under, underestimates how people feel when they know others got a better deal. If Sally gets a tax cut of 380 but gets, get, but others get 200,000, she'll be upset. And wait until Joe finds out he is getting a tax increase for residing in California. That's why tax bill is so unpopular. Human nature. Neon taser. I'm not sure that the bill is unpopular because people are innately jealous and greedy. Is a great argument there, Ted. You people are scum. Vote for us was another take on it. This guy wants to govern on the jealous human nature trait? Yeah, they do. Brandon Morse, watch as a status tells you money the GOP just gave back to you is not your money. It's the state. Senator Jeff Merkley will be our first soundbite on this. Unbelievable. GOP just piled, pulled off the biggest bank heist in U.S. history. And they're delivering the loot, one trillion out of our national treasury, to the wealthiest Americans and big corporations. We must fight back harder than ever for our we the people vision of democracy. Here's him saying that. The GLP just pulled off the biggest bank heist in American history, delivering trillions of dollars from the national to the richest Americans and most powerful corporations. This comes at the expense of many in the middle class many who will lose their health insurance, many who will see their insurance premiums spike, and millions upon in the middle class who will actually end up with higher taxes than they had before. This is a brazen move to rig our political system and our army not to work for we the people, but for we the powerful. This is government by and for the most powerful in it's unacceptable in our democratic republic that this should come to pass. It's a symptom of ex- corruption of our political system, and we must keep fighting day in and day out to restore the vision of we the people. Yeah, how can they do a bank heist when it's your money? It's your money. For the left, not confiscating your money is a cost to the government, and that's how they're doing this. Then there's Joy Reid to start off our media-crazy, liberal shill people. Today's likely vote to pass Republican tax bill is the clearest vision we've seen in modern times and the unmitigated greed looks like. Millionaire Republicans are cutting their own taxes and those of the super-rich and corporations. And they're going to make you pay for it. Welcome to the new robber baron era. Because $4 trillion the government takes isn't greed. Yeah, right. Somebody said, you're a disingenuous liar with a pie chart that shows it's totally bullshit. Lawrence used the right word in describing this tax bill, plunder. These Republican members of Congress, most of whom are millionaires, are voting through huge tax cuts for themselves. Let's stop for a second. Obama's a millionaire. Clinton's a millionaire. Feinstein's a millionaire. Pelosi's a millionaire. Harry Reid was a millionaire. Chuck Schumer's a millionaire. Nobody who's been in charge of this country has ever been poor. Tony Reid, who doesn't make shit, is never going to be a senator of the President of the United States. You're an idiot. Then she goes on. They're literally stealing from you, America, and stuffing the money into their own pockets. If you don't see that, I can't help you. Somebody replied, very few of those words mean what you think, you seem to think they mean, Joy. People keeping their own money is stealing I get to keep my money. Who do I steal from? Joy? Myself? So Jake Tapper is like the only one that I could find that was in the media that actually put out some information. 
Taxes would decline on average across all income groups. Taxpayers in the bottom quintile, those with income less than 25000 would see an average tax cut of $60, or 0.4% of the after-tax income. Taxpayers in the middle income quintile, those who, income, who have income between 49000 and 86, would receive an average tax cut of about 900 or 1.6 of after-tax income. Taxpayers in the 95th and 99th income percentile, those with income between 308 and 733, would benefit the most as a share of after-tax income, with an average tax cut of about 13,500 or 4.1% of after-tax income. Jake Tapper, once again, taxpayers in the top 1% of the income distribution with income more than 733,000 receive an average cut of 51,000 or 3.4% after tax income. Those are the stats for 2018, I should note. For 2025, taxpayers in the bottom quintile would see an average tax cut of $70 or 0.4% of after tax income. Taxpayers in the middle would get 900 in 2025. 95 to 999, we get 3.2% and 2.1%, 2.9% tax cut for the top one. Reading through this, one has to wonder how any Democrat could see America keeping more of the money they earn as a bad thing. Wait, it's the Democrats. We're talking out there. Never mind. Comfortably smug. Holy shit. Are you people seeing this? 60 to 70 million Americans are dying every second since the House passed tax reform, which goes into the histrionics of all of this. It's Armageddon. Others, rest in peace to millions of Americans have already died from getting to keep their own money. Ben Shapiro, oh my God, you mean people who pay income tax will see more benefit from the tax cut these the people you don't? Stop, you're killing Americans. Not sure how everyone will die because of tax cuts when they're already dead because of the net neutrality repeal. Somebody said you're on fire. And he's right, because net neutrality is supposed to kill 100,000 people. Hillary Clinton, something productive to do with your outrage today. So what did the left do? Oh, they do what they always do, which we'll learn in the status of the day. Isn't going that well. Because they don't have any fresh ideas. They just have obstruction and hate, which is supposed to be bad. That's what we were told in Obama era. GOP did it was bad. But somehow for Democrats, nobody ever calls them obstructionists. Swing left. Never heard of them, but they're a new group. The GOP tax scam is on its way to Trump's desk to be signed into law. Let that sink in for a minute. Then channel your rage by donating to the opponents of every swing district Republican who voted for it. Liz S., I'm old enough to remember the day after you lost the 2016 election. The stock market jumped 250 points. Out of relief, you wouldn't be able to continue Obama's attempt to destroy the economy. Remember when you campaign on tax increases the middle class? LOL. Imagine being outraged over keeping more of what you earn. It's your money, not the government's. Hillary is day drinking after seeing her polling numbers this morning, which is another start of the day that's fucking awesome. And when she wasn't doing that... She was a guest editor for Teen Vogue. Teen Vogue. Yeah, that's the magazine that does how to have safe anal sex. Hmm. And then there's the Tim Scott angle. <clears throat> Somebody literally called him the token black guy. Token black guy. Because he was standing at the picture. Here's the reality from Tim Scott. I, I just want to make sure I cover this and understand. Democrats saying he's a token black guy. Because they don't know anything. They just run with all Republicans are racist. Because that's what they keep getting told by the media. Even though it's not true. And the Democrats formed the KKK. But, you know, whatever. 
Probably because I helped write the bill for the past years. I have million, multiple provisions included. Dave Martosco. Senator Scott was part of the conference committee. What? He must not be important because, because why? You are about to be schooled and epically embarrassed. Tim Scott has been working on that tax bill ever since he entered Congress. Tim Scott has to put up with racist bullshits like this all the time and he always handles it in class. For you to completely ignore all the work Senator Tim Scott has put into this bill and try to reduce him to nothing but his skin color, straight up racism, you owe the man an apology. That was an editor for Salon. And he works at HuffPo. I somehow admitted his name, so it kind of ruins the fucking zing on this whole thing. Then Boeing put out $300 million employee-related and charitable investment as a result of tax reform legislation to support our heroes, our homes, and our future. Somebody writes, holy crap, evil corporations are reinvesting the money they're going to keep now back in their people in the community. We need to arrest someone ASAP. Media matters, dude. And we're going to cover that in our hypocrisy. Media matters is now part of the CNN conglomerate that's going after Fox and saying Fox is not real news, which I think is just epically hilarious because none of you are real news. Fox is right. CNN is part of the resistance. MSDNC is the resistance. ABC, CBS, and NBC are part of the DCCC. He writes, three million versus the billions Boeing will be handed by the government. Boeing revenue last year was 94.5 billion. They're planning to spend 300 million, 0.31% of that. We don't get, don't yet know how many billions or tax bill will be under the GOP plan. Brian Butler, giant company, used breaking news event to buy their way out of high-profile regulatory challenge and conservative journalists trip over themselves to pretend as if the free market is working. It's magic for a little guy. Whether you think the GOP tax bill is good or bad, having corporations doing the right thing should be applauded. And he's right. So as always, all the left has is lies. Those lies are retweeted at the 10,000 level, and the corrections are not coming, and nobody's made anybody answer up to why they're saying 100,000 people are going to die because of tax reform. Nobody's made anybody answer up to why the, the Jimmy uh, <clears throat> Kimmel and Schumer are lying about CHIP, which has nothing to do with tax reform, and that benefits aren't going to be cut. They don't have to answer for that, even though under Obama, every Republican had to answer for the few fringe people that said he was a Muslim or he was from Africa or he wasn't America. It, they all had to answer. So here's our tax soundbite, which takes us to close the loop. You'll hear only one person, S.E. Cup, actually getting in here. And at the end, you'll hear Paul Ryan actually deflecting the media because Savannah Guthrie pretty much, you'll hear her in here, uh, sums up the media's approach on this. Are you living in a fantasy world? That's how biased they have been over the American people getting their own money back. There's no other way to fight this other than to say, oh, the rich people are getting richer because we just got a tax cut for all of America. And understand the Democrats wanted to give you a tax increase. They wanted you to pay more. They want to redistribute your wealth to the super, super poor, which happens to be the brown community, gay, whatever, even though on other surveys it's all white people in trailer parks. But that's not what they tell you. There's more white people in trailer parks on the systems than there are African Americans. But they've twisted this all to be racist, whatever they can, because they don't have a leg to stand on. They have nothing. And they didn't vote for it. So you make sure in 2018 you remember... No Democrat voted for the tax bill. They wanted you not to get your own money back. And the media was with them. 
But the Republican bill also has major political risks. It repeals the Obamacare mandate, requiring people to buy health insurance, which the Congressional Budget Office projects could cause premiums to spike. And Republicans could already be paying a political price, with a new poll showing nearly half of Americans disapprove of the tax plan. Vote no on this bill. On Capitol Hill, last-minute protests outside congressional offices and from Democrats. The bill, in short, is a cynical one-two gut punch to the middle class. This is dangerous political territory here. There are a lot of polls out there that show that a number of Americans, more than half of Americans, disagree with this plan, George, and two-thirds of them say that it will benefit the rich over the middle class. Yeah, let's bring that to John Avalon right there. This is a tax cut, right? yet it's in some ways more unpopular than tax increases have been. This has been sold as a middle class tax bill and a simplification. It is a big political win for Republicans and the president, but it doesn't deliver on those two promises. And that's what Democrats are hoping for come November in the midterm election. This issue that Democrats have been hounding, that this favors the wealthy more than middle class, despite the Republican talking points, it seems the American public's buying that argument, Allison. It is uh, 66% of Americans, nearly two-thirds, say that the wealthy will benefit from this. 27% say that it will be the middle class. And so this isn't what America had on its Christmas list after all. New this morning, signs that the Christmas present that the president promised the country, a tax bill, is not what the country actually wants. The House is expected to pass the bill this afternoon, but it is a bill that is getting less popular, it seems, by the day. That's right. A brand new CNN poll this morning shows 55% of you out there oppose it. That is an increase of 10 points of negativity from just last month. We are not done talking about this, not even close. <laughs> Joining us now, CNN's politics reporter and editor-at-large, Chris Saliza. Chris, 55%. Of Americans say they oppose this tax yep. bill in our latest polling. That is greater opposition than it was just a month ago. And as Poppy was noting before, that opposition growing across all groups. What does that tell you? Oh, it tells you you're making a gigantic gamble if you're the Republican Party. We begin with what President Trump calls a big, beautiful Christmas present for America. The tax cut bill that most Americans don't approve of. There's this new CNN polling, which we've seen. Only 33% favor this Republican tax bill. Is there any sense, any discussion there at the White House, or rather among Republicans, that this may be a gamble? It certainly is, uh, and that certainly is a discussion that's being had in the halls of Capitol Hill. But a new CNN poll shows most Americans are not. In fact, they don't believe that. Two-thirds see the bill as doing more to benefit the wealthy than the middle class. We also asked who benefits the most from this legislation. Two-thirds of Americans, 66%, say the wealthy gets the most out of this uh, bill. Only 27% say it'll help the middle class the most. But House Speaker Paul Ryan says it's just a matter of time until people come around. Here's the, here's, here's the but. This 570-page tax law hailed by the president and his party has been panned by the people. A new CNN poll shows 55% of Americans oppose it. Can you recall a less popular major piece of legislation headed to victory? No, and uh, the fact of the matter is it's being jammed in and done uh, right before Christmas, so there's something desperate about it. Uh, Donald Trump isn't transparent. He isn't showing people his taxes. Uh, it seems to be a sweetheart deal for rich people. This widely criticized bill could give Republicans a much-needed victory, but should they be careful what they wish for? Wildly unpopular, the tax vote comes as CNN's new poll shows both the president and the GOP tax plan are wildly unpopular. 
Uh, yeah. Earlier today, you called this a win, uh, but 37 yeah. of 38 experts surveyed by the University of Chicago's initiative on global markets yeah. said the GOP tax bill uh, would cause the U.S. debt to substantially yeah. increase much faster than the economy. Are you concerned about that? Their economists, their study, what's the effect of the narrow tax bill on revenues and on the deficit? And so that's that's okay. Ask them the question, put together that tax bill with deregulatory and our agenda and with the current growth rate at three and the Fed saying we're going to grow at four next quarter. And they'll all tell you we can pay $150 billion a year with ease. You know, yeah. it feels like you're relying on this tax cut of the corporations, of the wealthy, to trickle down. Yeah. Um, is that what you're relying on? Well, no, I'm relying on all the Western Civ, right? We were all poor until 1776. Everyone made a grand until you had capitalism and free markets and the accumulation of capital. And so if you want to be rich, you have to have economic growth. We used to make $1,000 a year. Now we make 50000 a year on average. Why How do you need that economic happen? growth with the corporations? Why is this a tax cut that's going to the corporations? The corporations well, are sitting on yeah. uh, record profits, record right. profits, works, record, yeah. uh, record cash stocks. So why give this to the corporations yeah. well, and, not, and not to the average American citizen? Well, because it's better to give tax cuts to corporations than it is to dictators and pharaohs and the head of federal government, right? That's what causes economic growth. I'm not Everybody talking about works. dictators or pharaohs or the head of governments. I'm talking yeah, well, about the said, American people. Right. What we are, we're giving a tax cut to every bracket, to the middle class. A, a single mom at home will get over 1000 back. The 70000 family with two kids married will get $2,059 $2, back. So we're giving them stuff, too. But the, the growth piece is by far the most important. Wages have been flat for 30 years. Bernie brought that up, right? Bernie won on that. He was winning on that. Uh, Trump came in, ran on the middle class. Wages have been stagnant, flat for about 30 years. They need relief. How, we haven't had any proposals from the other side to how do you increase productivity. Why do you That's believe the that tax thing? cuts for the wealthy yeah. and for corporations are going to help the economy? There's no evidence that that's actually worked in the past. Well... Yeah, well, there, all the evidence from every Nobel laureate. I did my PhD in economic growth on the solo I know, you've model. you've told me a lot of this. And that, in and, the past. Well, you got to go read it. Yeah. I mean, so if you read that literature, the, the biggest contributor to economic growth is capital. There's no debate. The second is probably human capital. The third is technological growth. It's hard to measure that. Those are the three determinants of economic growth in 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 our country's history, right? So if you want the economy to grow. You got to invest in capital, human capital, technology, and you got to be positive about business. Everybody works for either a small business or corporation, right? And so that's what feeds and pays for government. If that's not growing, like in Virginia, our economy only grew at 0.6 last time. How do you fund government jobs when the Virginia economy is only growing at 0.6? So, yeah, I mean, I get you're not going to like this bill, but the facts are that, uh, according to the nonpartisan Joint Committee on, on Taxation, middle-income households between 20000 a year and 100000 a year are going to get $61 billion in tax cuts in 2019. Now, another estimate says that families making the median income will get a tax cut of over $2,000 next year. Is the Joint Committee on Taxation part of the scam? No, but it's inaccurate. So... This also depends on where you live. If you live in California, New Jersey, New York, and several other states, your taxes will go up immediately. And then for most Americans, by 2027, all across America, most Americans' taxes will go up because many of these provisions start expiring, but not the corporate tax cuts. Yeah, but you can just vote to have them not expire, right? I mean, isn't that, isn't that just incentive to just make them permanent? 
well, then we should do that for the corporate tax cuts. But they don't do that. This is really designed to help uh, the super rich. And keep in mind, it gives a massive tax break for people who right now have estates totaling $11 million. It doubles that to $22 million. No, Congressman, so that's the I kind of people Yeah, I completely to. understand that point. But you're not sharing the rest, which is that a lot of middle class people are going to get tax cuts. It, it, to me, it just feels like you're scaring voters, which strikes me as a little reckless when many of them will benefit from tax cuts next year. Uh, some will, some won't. No, but many by 2027, will. Many will. You know, Hillary Clinton won, got three million more votes. The president is sort of governing from a min, from a minority mm -hmm. of voters, and the party is governing from a minority of voters. And yet, they have unified control of governance, and that those things really feel explosive on a night like tonight. Right, because they're essentially stealing from the rest of us, stealing from the majority of this country, and. One of the things that's so striking about this particular tax bill, Matt Iglesias made this point in Vox today, we're used to thinking of corruption in terms of Congress people doing stuff for friends in their districts or doing things to, to benefit particular constituencies. The extent of kind of actual straight-up self-dealing in this bill, the extent that this is just a bill to give more money to Bob Corker and Donald Trump and Ivanka Trump and John Cornyn, is really something new and astonishing and sort of more, I think, in common with a post-Soviet kleptocracy than what we're used to seeing in American politics. But this is such an insult, and it's such an insult across the board, right? It's an insult to the poor, it's an insult to the elderly, it's an insult to people who rely upon Obamacare, because it also, while kind of taking an axe at the fairness of the tax code, or the what was... What Dismantles was, a huge part right, of Obamacare. Dismantles a huge part of Obamacare, oh, by the way. Yeah. And it also is, you know, there's this contingency, there's this contingent of kind of suburban women who has been sort of maybe moving towards the Democrats in certain states. I mean, certainly they were responsible for helping Roy Moore, I mean, helping Doug Jones beat Roy yeah. Moore in Alabama. Especially in states like New Jersey, like California, like New York, where we still have conserve we still have Republican yep. representatives. This is um you know, this is a dagger pointed at them. This is gonna destroy a lot of people's public schools. Yeah, there's a there's a, a real activism that will come out of this now, the president is uh, planning to have some of those Republican leaders over here at the White House later on this afternoon, 3 o'clock. We understand the event will be on the uh, south portico uh, of the White House, Wolf, uh, although some of those details are still being worked out. The, the question, I think, this afternoon is whether uh, the president just takes a victory lap uh, and sings the praises of this piece of legislation, uh, or is he going to take questions from reporters? Uh, we're still expecting at some point for the president to hold uh, one of those year-end news conferences, as presidents often do before they head out for the holidays. Uh, uh, and, of course, Wolf, uh, th this White House and the Republicans up on Capitol Hill, they're about to test the law of unintended consequences because there were hardly any hearings on this, because uh, there wasn't much discussion in the public about this uh, tax cut bill before it was uh, brought to passage and on its way to the president's desk. Uh, they are going to have to find out uh, whether or not they can turn the numbers around for this piece of legislation, because, as you know, the polls have shown, including here at CNN, uh, that it is deeply unpopular at this point, Wolf. Deeply unpopular, but it did pass the House of Representatives just moments ago, 224. You're counting on corporations to take that money they now have and plow it right back into the economy, hire people, raise wages. Mm -hmm. It doesn't work if they don't do that. Is that correct?
And the problem is, as a lot of CEOs have said, really candidly, I'm looking at a list of CEOs who said, we don't plan to reinvest. What they're planning to do is to do stock buybacks, to line the pockets of shareholders. Let me quote Michael Bloomberg, a billionaire, hardly an enemy of business. He said, CEOs aren't waiting on a tax cut to jumpstart the economy, a favorite phrase of politicians who have never run a company or to hand out raises. It's pure fantasy to think that the tax bill will lead to significantly higher wages and growth. I'll ask you plainly, are you living in a fantasy world? A lot of the public still skeptical. New poll out this morning shows more than half of the public is opposed to this plan. What do you say to the doubters? I think because people have been sort of hit on their TV screens by, by the media and the Democrats that everybody's getting a big tax increase. That's just not the case. Uh, the average median family of four in America is going to get a $2,059 tax cut. Every the average taxpayer in every income group is getting a tax cut. I think minds are going to change, and I think people are going to change their view on this. But they've been hit on TV with so many different confusing messages that there's no wonder there's a little confusion surrounding this. Mr. Speaker, I think polls show that that most people view this bill as kind of as you pointed out as far more generous to corporations than it is to individual taxpayers. Are they, are they wrong? Yeah, they are. And I think what it is, is just you've had this big debate on TV where Republicans and Democrats are arguing with each other. Pundits in the media are saying this and that. So I think there's just tons of confusion out there as to what this does or doesn't do. A lot of people think it's going to raise their taxes when every income tax group on average gets a tax cut. You're right. It is confusing for a lot of people. Yesterday, Senator Schumer on the floor said, listen, this is a just." Jim, the uh, president also insisted there's uh, there's been no evidence, as he always says, of collusion with Russia between his campaign and the Russians. Do his comments help fuel uh, what is seen as a right-wing narrative that the independent counsel's investigation right now, Robert Mueller's investigation, is biased? Uh, I think it certainly does, Wolf, and I think it also is an echo of what is being said on conservative media about uh, this uh, Mueller investigation. You have a lot of people in conservative media these days attacking the Mueller investigation, pointing to that FBI agent uh, who was reassigned, uh, whose uh, text, uh, I guess, denigrating the president came to light. Uh, the president was obviously seizing on that when he was leaving the White House earlier this morning. Uh, but, Wolf, uh, it's interesting to note the president was making those comments as he was heading down to uh, an FBI a National Academy ceremony down in Quantico. Uh, at that ceremony, he praised uh, federal and local law enforcement officials, but it was here at the White House uh, where the president was saying uh, it's a shame what's, what's happened to the FBI and that, very, uh, that a lot of people are very angry about what's happening at the FBI. It appears the president is essentially echoing what he is hearing in conservative media. Partisanship is certainly at play in that hearing. It was clear that the Republicans are trying to make the case against Mueller and his investigation. But that man, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, appointed by the President of the United States, named Trump, did not share their concerns about Mueller or the integrity of the Russia uh, investigation. And again, this comes amid these growing calls, almost exclusively from Republican lawmakers, who say that this probe is biased and that he should be Fired. Congressman Matt Gates of Florida joins me now. He is among this number. First, uh, the best to you and your family for Christmas. Thanks for being on New Day. 
You as well, Chris. I will say it's not just Republicans making these calls. Harvard University just released a poll where more than half of the American people believe that there's conflict of interest that has infected the Mueller investigation. And we just need the Justice Department to step up and seize control. I don't know where the Attorney General and Rod Rosenstein are in this, but I think they need to fire Mueller and cure us of these conflicts. First, all polls are not equal. I did say not exclusively a Republican, but it is. It's Harvard, Chris. It is primarily. It's Harvard I, University. I get it. I know the school. It's the second best in the country, um, Yale being the first. But let me ask you this. What do you know that Rod Rosenstein does not? There's an inspector general who's That's looking into exactly say. this, and an inspector general is a heck of a lot more independent than you or any of the partisan. Do you remember that during the probe, Hillary Clinton and her supporters were making the same argument you're making right now. These people in the FBI hate me. They're all coming up to Comey and they're saying, you've got to investigate. She's dirty. She's a liar. These Clintons always lie. I don't remember you being Chris, concerned the the about their obvious political no. animus. He has been a Republican yeah. longer than you had even considered being a Republican. He is a decorated war veteran who ran the FBI and who everybody in your party said was an excellent choice. What has changed and then since then, other than well, he went in your disenchantment with the direction of this probe? Chris, there is actual evidence that Hillary Clinton got special treatment. This is not some attestation on my part. It's literally a reading of the emails from Andy McCabe saying Hillary Clinton's going to get special That's just pretty classic right there. The media has spun, spun, spun as much as they can to protect the Democrats and the FBI and everybody. Because once again, the FBI are good guys, right? Because they're investigating Trump. For those that are new to the show, we went through the all the histrionics of the media's portrayal of the FBI. They were horrible when they're going after Hillary. They were great when they were saying Hillary's great. We've gone back and forth and the bomb administration, everybody, and now all of a sudden the FBI is great again because of this stuff. But going off our last podcast, those texts are damning. But how do the media spin it? Well, you heard the audio. Here's another one. They were private texts. Benjamin Witz, editor-in-chief of Lawware, Lawfare Blog and a senior fellow at Brookings Institute, is a close friend and ally of former FBI Director Comey, who has helped him leak information to the press. He's fond of tweeting out, tick, 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 when leaks support a Russian collusion narrative are published, which this release of information, he had a much different approach. The release of private correspondence between two Justice Department employees whose correspondence is the subject of an active inspector general investigation, is not just wrong, it's cruel. So the leaks were private, or the texts were private. The other angle, leaks are suddenly, briefly, bad. Natasha Bertrand is a reporter receptive to publishing stories from the opposition research firm that put out the Russian narrative, Fusion GPS, as well as leaks from Democratic intelligence sources. But with the news of these texts, she became someone deeply concerned about leaks. Her only two stories on the matter are not on the substance of the text and what they indicate about Russian Clinton probe, but rather whether the release of the texts were authorized. Highly unusual move, DOJ secretly invited reporters to view FBI agents' texts, which is a lie. They did it during Obama. And the other one, DOJ now just says early release FBI agent private text to reporter was not authorized by the department. Jonathan Chait and Max Boot also got the talking points to focus on how awful it was for the Department of Justice released text. Hmm. It's not just, it's just t- totally normal political opinions is the other angle. 
Zork also lightly critiqued Bernie Sanders, Sanders, so there's no problem. That was another angle. In a way, these texts prove the Russia collusion narrative. This angle makes no goddamn sense, but the media is going with it. It was just stress, man, because, once again, Trump's so bad. Another angle doesn't matter because Zork was kicked off the team in July, and ignore, ignore, ignore is the final one. Of course, the most common media response to Texas has been downplay or even ignore them. The New York Times begrudgingly covered the story, but somehow managed not to mention insurance policy texts. Ari Fleischer, when the insurance policy text isn't fit to be print, you really have to wonder if the NYT is covering this fairly. How could the NYT not cover the text in particular? How? Jason, the story isn't the context of the text message. It's Republicans pouncing. This is a WAPO heading. Text message in hand, Republicans plan to accuse Justice Department of bias. So it's just the Republicans. It's not actually what it is. This article, let's at least pretend to care about covering the news. Listen, we have much to learn about the FBI's Trump investigation, the use of Clinton opposition research to wiretap an associate of Trump campaign, the orchestrated leak campaign in the waning days of the Obama administration, and Zork's role in any of these. The texts require greater education, elucidation, but just journalists should seek to cover the story, not cover it up or downplay it before the American public get answers. It is counting on journalists to help them get it, and they're not going to do it because this is bad. This is really bad. John Passatino. So the Post is sources saying the FBI officials text message about Hillary were a cover story for an affair. People familiar with the matter said that although Page's message may appear to suggest that she and Zork used a separate communication channel for discussing the Clinton case, the point of her text was advised Zork how to explain to his wife why the two of them have been texting each other. That's another era. Can you, can you believe that? FBI officials' text messages about Hillary Clinton had nothing to do with the investigation was merely a cover story for their affair. Tammy Bruce, right. This is the most idiotic and desperate thing I've seen. Also confirms they're terrified. And they should be. The American people aren't stupid. You've been investigating the Russian collusion for 18 fucking months, and you found nothing. Oh, you did. You found the FBI and the Clintons paid for the dossier. So they actually did collude. You haven't found anything on Trump. Dell Quinton Wibber. Controversial insurance text by FBI agent referred to aggressively investigating potential links between Russia and Trump associates. Not a secret effort to harm candidate Trump, according to people familiar with this account. That's not what it sound like to me. And he goes on this whole thing, once again, playing it off. Playing it off, playing it off, playing it off. Ari Fleischer. I think the falsified rumor about Trump firing Mueller has gotten more MSM coverage than actual text messages between FBI agents involving the deputy FBI director discussing an insurance policy in case Trump wins. That's a true statement. Britt Hume, do any MSM journalists want to know what was meant by insurance policy? Ari Fleischer, I've never seen a controversy before in which national reporters have been so uncurious and uninterested. It is as if they know the texts were okay, so they don't need to look into it. Britt Hume, so you see, Sork was just trying to move the investigation along so that possible Trump administration officials wouldn't be plagued by the probe of Trump 1. Sork was actually trying to help an administration headed by a man he despised. Got it. Both of them nail it. They just nail it. This is unbelievable that 
the media doesn't care. If anybody on the planet was caught in the federal government doing texts that inferred they were going to do harm to Obama, it would be national leading news for a week. They would be racist because most of these people were white people. It would be the GOP's fault. It would be Mill America's fault. It would be white people's fault. And we never hear the end of it. But two FBI agents basically talking that negative about the candidate for President of the United States and infer we need an insurance policy to protect the country and the media. I never saw it on CNN. I watched too. So, in line with this, they also illegally obtained emails from the, the Trump campaign team and Trump and company are trying to legally push them not to give them back. You know, here, here's the deal. We're going to grab all the emails from the Trump team. We said it was okay for Hillary to delete 30,000 emails. Remember that? I could give a fuck about Trump. Once again, for everybody who's new to the show, I don't care about I'm not a Trump supporter. I'm just saying this is all bullshit. This is all unadulterated bias by the FBI, CIA, the lackey hangovers from the Obama administration and the media. This is bias. And the nation editor, the nation, no Republican publication. He was on Tucker's show and he agrees with me. A leaker, by definition, has a political agenda. We'd agree on that, right? Yes, of course. You may not be old enough to remember, but I remember when the media, and particularly the liberal media, was deeply suspicious of intelligence agency sources. Yes. I now we have well. a situation where they seem to be the holy writ. If they whisper it to you on the telephone, it's true. And Do we have, that you have seen, any evidence at all that the Russian government materially affected the outcome of the 2016 election? I have heard you say repeatedly there is no evidence. I've looked harder than you have. I've yes. looked here in America, but I also have looked in Moscow. I mean, when I'm there, I ask people I know, and yes, I confess, I do know people who are or have been Russian intelligence agents. I haven't found anybody in Moscow who believes this story. So, I think the nation editors straight on, but to get back to what Ari Fleischer said, here's how it starts. Seth Abram- Abraham- Abramson was the first one I could find, thread. There's now a rumor in Congress that Trump plans to fire Special Counselor Mueller on December 22nd. If this happens, it will trigger a constitutional crisis. This thread explains what's happening, what to do. This is an actual emergency. If this happens, you can expect peaceful disruptions in America's life for some time. Mass protests that block highways and buildings and shut down parts of cities. Mass walkouts from jobs and schools. A media atmosphere in which only one story, this one, can be and will be covered. Because fire mural would shake the foundation of American law and democracy to the core, we should expect dramatic market validity for the entirety of the crisis. Likewise, we would expect a leaky White House and Congress to go from leaky to veritable deluge. Let's be clear. If Trump fires Mueller, our country, as we know it, will exist no more. This is what is imperative. We stand together to resist a declaration of war on American people. This is what resistance united means. Divided we fall. Resistance is anything but futile. Please read this thread. This will have an effect on your day-to-day life. This is going to be chaos. 
Brandon Adorte, please read a retreat if explain why we must visibly occupy and flood congressional phone lines. Prepare yourself for what could be a long standout if we protest. All fake resistors will never be exposed by their misleading rhetoric and urge for an activity. And Mueller's fired. We take to the streets. Nahil Mejita says. John Padoritz. Seth Aberson is the funniest person on Twitter. He's a guy with an iPhone and a Starbucks shrieking like Al Pacino. And Justice got all. We're not dying, Seth. You're killing everyone around you. Save yourself. The effort don't read this thread. This guy is an idiot. Jeff B. DDHQ. I remember being told by some extremely earnest but dim progressives in my mentions last week that I need to take this man seriously. I laughed in their face. I regret nothing. Against Trump, dude. This is from Professor of Journalism and Law violating the purpose ethics of both professions. And while we keep talking about how crazy this is, Lewis Minch was involved. Somebody said fapping ensues. Schiff got into it and did a whole thread this week. ABC. Because they take their lead from the resistance. So does CNN. So must MSDNC. NBC. ABC. They've gone with this narrative that was pushed by lefties saying he's going to fire him and trying to get people to go disrupt the country. Asked whether he's considered firing Robert Mueller, President Trump says, no, I'm not. Then asked reporter, what? Are you surprised? The Situation Room. After he said that, Wyden, I think when you look at Donald Trump Jr. and what is on record, I think there was clearly an intent to collude. They went right back. They went right back. Right back to the narrative. Don Bondingo. Holy Moses, every time I think to myself, they can't be this stupid, they proved me wrong. First, it was definitely collusion. Then it was, maybe it was collusion. Now it's intention to collude. Tomorrow will be intention to intend to collude. Meanwhile, there's actual proof that Dems colluded. It's called the Trump dossier. This is what I'm talking about. When the narrative starts to die, they float lies. He's going to file. This is the third time we've gone through the Mueller's going to be fired. The media with bated breath has pushed that narrative to be, to, it's not true. But they don't want it to get off the front page. They needed something to be more important to the media who's part of the resistance so they'd run after it than the tax plan. Then, Yashar Ali says, how is this not a Russian bombshell? New, the Senate's Russian investigation is now looking into, wait for it, Jill Stein. I think it's funny as hell that in the end, we have found more collusion between the Democrats and Russia. The media doesn't seem to care about it, and they kind of flip it to the side. Then you found Trump and Russia. This will be in the history books as the largest lie ever perpetrated on the American people by a political party. It's worse than Vietnam, folks. The Democrats are just lying to you. And the media, which are part of the Democrats, are losing all credibility. Trump watched Tuesday, November 21st, 2017. He denies it. He denies it. That was the president late today repeating Roy Moore's denials, repeating them again and again as if that counters all the credible charges against him. He denies it. 
I think we have come to where we Americans, or many of us, take our stands on one side or the other of the country's cultural divide and ignore any fact that might bring that loyalty into question. Why accept more information once your decision has been made? We do this now in police situations where once we hear of a police shooting, we immediately either oppose the police or back them up. Why look for evidence when you know who's wrong already? Yet it is the duty of journalists to deliver those facts, to assemble such evidence, to give the reader or the viewer the information necessary to make a judgment, to discern the unique elements of each particular case, not throw them all into one, the way the Warhawks connected the attack on 9-11 to its push for our attack on Iraq, which had nothing to do with 9-11. Conflation. That's the word I've come to fear now in every discussion, whether it be about war, the conduct of police, or this current discussion over sexual misconduct. It's the tendency, usually pushed by one side or the other, to throw everything into one box. What comes through in today's headlines about Charlie Rose and those ongoing headlines about Judge Moore or the recent accounts of Senator Franken's behavior is the need for all of us to get the facts, get them clear in our head. Not all the cases that come along fit neatly into the same category or order of misconduct. One size does not fit all. We're not out there somewhere buying socks. Finally, we are judging those accused on our side of the political divide with the same rules we do those on the other. Are we doing that? Would we have been as lenient on Richard Nixon had he been involved with the young staffer as we were with Bill Clinton? Well, this is where the Congress is going to have a problem. When they judge Senator Franken, will they construct a standard, a red line for misconduct they truly commit themselves to enforce with the same ferocity elsewhere? Will they? Or will they punish him knowing that his misdeeds are not his alone, that they've let similar conduct go by by others go by the board? If this is a time of reckoning, let us try to make it a good... You get a little closer to the camera. My, what is it? Is it coming in closer? No, coming, coming further. Coming closer. Really close. What, what are you? What are you? Doing? <laughs> Just kidding. You look great. Anyway, it's thank Aaron. It's great to have. Look at that look. You're great. I don't even know. I'm going to go look at the picture. I'm no, in you're beautiful. Thank you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're a knockout. Anyway, thank you, Aaron Burnett. All right. It's all right getting bad news from you, even. Okay. Thanks for coming on hard. Now we're in the sexual harassment, and I played those sound bites. That's that's Matthew scunionizing other people for it, and actually on the air, pretty much harassing a woman. NBC confirmed to Daily Caller that assistant producer on Chris Matthews' show made a sexual harassment claim in 99. She received a severance payment. NBC paid out a harasser on Mr. Tingly Legs, who spent most of the time dogging Republicans, ignoring the 8,000 Democrats we have now that is some hypocrisy. He was reprimanded, MSDNC said. Producers weren't fired. Nothing happened. She got $40,000. Then we find out, because this is the media, this is how they are, Glenn Thrush, he's not getting fired. He's going to get right back on his job. Then we find out from the Hill, Dem senators urge Franken not to resign. At least four senators, including two Democrats, have reported, reportedly said that Al Franken should reconsider his resignation. Joe Manchin told political the delusion Democrats calling for Franken to resign was the most hypocritical thing he'd ever seen. What they did to Al was atrocious. The Democrats, Manchin added, the most hypocritical thing I've ever seen done to a human being and then have enough guts to sit on the floor, watch him give a speech, and go over and hug him. That's hypocrisy at the highest level I've ever seen in my life. Mansion, let's not pretend that wasn't all planned. Nobody panders well as the left. 
Dem senators urged Franken to not resign was carried by every network. But he set a date. He set a date and he will resign. But that, see, I'm telling you, the left is so hypocritical on this issue. And as I was talking to a bunch of people the other day, they set the table for it. And it still goes back to Bill Clinton. When you say that kind of conduct is personal and matter, and you don't do anything, but Trent Lott gets the boot for less. I mean, what the fuck? There's actually 97 men and one woman taken down by Me Too. Meryl Streep, she knew posters are all over Los Angeles because some people are actually holding people accountable. Carolina Panthers owner Jerry Richards is under investigation. He's going to sell the team. And then we have infighting. She's done waiting for Senator Gillibrand to announce her after she wrote a timepiece praising her feminist work. Linda Sossauer accused of enabling sexual assault against women who worked for her via the Daily Caller. I know because it happened to me. She is an enabler. Alleged allegations of groping and unwanted touching were allegedly brought to Sassar during her time as executive director of the Arab American Association. In response, Sassar, a self-proclaimed champion of women, attacked the women bringing the allegation, often threatening and body shaming her, these sources alleged. The most serious allegation was dismissed Asmi Fatalabab, the alleged victim told the Daily Caller because the accused was a good Muslim who was always at the mosque. She oversaw her environment unsafe and abusive to women, said Fatalabab, a former employee of the Arab American Association. Women who put Sassar on a pedestal for women's rights and empowerment deserve to know how she really treats us. She's an Islamist. Of course, if you're a good Muslim, you can fucking do anything because you're an Islamist like her. Liz Wheeler, Linda Sassar, the Women's March, threatened to cut off genitalia of Muslim women she doesn't like, idolized the terrorist Rosma, Rosmia Odea, praised a cop killer, Asada Shakur, enabled sexual predators in her workplace. Hypocrisy is a stinky cologne. Another one that came down is Silicon Valley star T.J. Miller, sexually assaulting and punching women. Then, D.C. McAllister wrote on December 12th, which is a while ago, but I saved it for this podcast. Here's a little secret we have to say out loud. Women love the sexual interplay that experience men, and they realize men desire the beauty. And she did a whole article, We're Not Hapless Victims. is a timeless truth about human nature. Attraction doesn't necessarily explode a woman. Women like it. And both men and women can be evil. Huge article. Task of purpose. Read it. I'm not going to read it. But... I thought it was pretty funny that a woman wrote that, and I wanted to cover it, because I do believe there's something into the Morrissey statement. Sorry, I had to get a drink. I think some of this comes down to sour grapes. There's an article in here about Trump. The lady that is accusing him, who came forward accused because Democrats asked her to turn during the election, she was begging to be his hairstylist even after all this happened. He didn't hire her. Hmm. Interesting. Obama the truth teller was another thing we covered. Philip Klein. Yesterday, Matt Dowd challenged me to show my work when I claimed Obama told 18 falsehoods about Obamacare in 2009. Challenge accepted. Not on the New York Times... New York Times lie list, Obama claiming Obamacare will more than pay for itself. Not on the New York Times list, Obamacare could save families $2,500 in the coming years. 
That's a bullshit lie. Not on their list. Obamacare individual mandate is not a middle class tax increase. It was. Then people said, be prepared to be muted or blocked in the future. Doubt is an interesting and factual conversation because he's blocked everyone. New York Times list has zero lies in 2015, which was the Iran deal sale. Don't list most comprehensive inspector regime ever. Not admitted. It's not. Cuts off all Iran's pathways. The bomb actually enables creep out. Keeps all options on the table. Denied in Rhodes profile. That was never covered on the list. Doubt is wrong day that ended in Y. <laughs> And here's some more news on the Iran deal that you're not hearing. But the more this comes up, while Susan Rice says Trump's American first national security strategy is a summation of his abdication of traditional American global leadership, we have relinquished our moral authority and this will make us less safe. See my piece in the New York Times. They gave her a whole fucking page. The more we get on this Iran deal, the more it is scary. So here's the Iran deal and into Tweets of the Day. Clear deal. Joining us now, Josh Meyer, Politico's senior investigative reporter, the man behind this very elaborate story, digging into the former administration's alleged interference with the terror group and a DEA investigation. Great to see you tonight, Josh. Great to see you. Okay, so let's walk this through. For people who aren't familiar with this story, how in the world does this connect all of these different prongs of investigations that were happening here through U.S. agencies to a connection with the Iran nuclear deal? It is a bit convoluted, but here the short version is that uh, Hezbollah is a proxy of the Iran government, especially the IJO, which is you know the the military wing of Hezbollah is a proxy to them. And so uh, these federal investigators were watching and gathering evidence of Hezbollah sort of transforming itself from a from a political power and a terrorist organization to one that was trafficking in drugs and other criminal conspiracies to, to make you know hundreds of millions of dollars and the theory was that they doc- documented was that they were doing it to raise money uh, to help rebuild after the Israel war and to help an expansion that they were doing globally so they gathered evidence they designated about a couple of dozen super facilitators as people that were connected to the conspiracy but when they really tried to delve deeply into these people they got shut down and, and from what I understand in your reporting there were problems at the State Department the Justice Department the DEA had been very involved in these yeah. investigations and when people wanted to push forward the administration was not especially helpful right and so you know I wouldn't characterize it as one grand conspiracy I think there's people on Twitter that would like to reduce this to that what it was was it was a series of actions some that were taken specifically intentionally some that were sort of more uh, part of a broader geopolitical sort of stew that they were doing and other actions were just things that weren't supported and things that weren't approved so over the eight years of the Obama administration you had you know potentially dozens of criminal cases that that languished uh, people were transferred uh, uh, efforts to create a RICO prosecution were not supported extraditions and so forth so if, at the end of the day when you really look at it there's at least seven or eight of these major uh, players that they allege were part of this conspiracy leading the conspiracy that are out there operating uh, with impunity around the world so is the idea that they were not pursued at least to the fullest extent of possibly they could have been under the law because the administration was worried it would potentially blow up delicate negotiations over the nuclear deal with Iran well it's not I wouldn't say they weren't pursued because of that I would say that this is a fallout I mean what the story does uh, and I interviewed many dozens of people mm-hmm reviewed thousands of records uh, shows that um, their policy of reproachment with Iran and their effort to get the nuclear deal um, created a political climate 
where that the result was a derailment of this policy. So some efforts were intentional. I think some were not. And we'll, you know, I'd love to see a sort of full accounting of what happened. Mm -hmm. We know there are already a couple of members, GOP members on the Hill, who are asking for that. Now, I want to um, give you a couple of critics from the Obama administration, sure. give you a chance to respond. Um, first of all, uh, is Marie Harfer used to be, of course, with the State Department. Until Politico wrote this piece, I had never even heard of this program. You know, the Politico story, this narrative in it, is just false. And there's no evidence in this story to back up their allegations. They quote a couple of low-level ideological sources who clearly don't like the Iran deal. Okay, no evidence, couple of low-level sources. Then we hear from Tommy Beter, used to be the NSC uh, spokesperson for President Obama. He says uh, in a tweet, there are many reasonable critiques of Obama's foreign policy. The idea that he was soft on Hezbollah is not one of them. The story is so manufactured out of thin air that it's hard to push back except to say that it's a figment of the imagination of two very flawed sources. Right. So a lot of these people have similar themes to their sort of critiques. And so I couldn't resist uh, uh, tweeting back to him and saying, well, why don't you push back? Let's see some specifics here. And, you know, I'm a fan of Marie's. I talked to her when she was in the State Department, but she was at a different level of the State Department. She was a spokesperson. And to say that the people that I quoted were low level people is sort of ridiculous. These were the people that led this this task force. They were not ideologues. Uh, they're not flawed. I don't know what she's talking about. These were the people. One was a Pentagon report, you know, person. One was a, a, a DEA person. Uh, but I also talked to many, many dozens of other people to get sort of ground truth and see if what their allegations were held up to the light of day. And so, you know, this is not a story in 14,000 words where uh, I was just taking a sort of some spin from some people. I mean, they spent months of meticulous reporting to document what was happening, uh, talking to people outside of the administration. And uh, so I challenged people to, you know, let me know what the specifics are that they think are, are, aren't true. It is an in-depth piece. I suggest people read it for themselves. Yeah. And uh, we'll see if Congress does get involved. Um, yeah. Josh Meyer, thank you for digging into it with sure. us. Good to My see pleasure. you. As I've said on the show, the whole Iran deal was for his chief of staff, who was the most Islamist. And the more they dig into it and the links to brother and mother, the Muslim Brotherhood, it's, it's fucking scary. So when you read tweets from Susan Rice, she's a liar. And if you think about it, Susan Rice, his chief of staff, how many people on his staff are from Iranian descent? Think about that. Moon Pie does our tweets of the day. One Moon Pie, great. Two Moon Pies, even better. 50 Moon Pies, wow, loving this. 100 Moon Pies, seems like a lot, but okay. 666 Moon Pie, uh-oh. 667 Moon Pies, woo, haha, all right, keep them company. Nobody likes Moon Pies. Nobody likes Moon Pies. Yes, they do. Oh, so sales are booming? Yep. They should call you Mumbai because nobody likes you. Uh, who is so much of a loser that they're going to a product and fucking with them? <laughs> but the guy who's running their Twitter account is awesome. They should call you Kyla because that's how it's supposed to be spelled. She taught they taught the freaking thing. Can you get a moon pie? Yes, you pay for them. Austin Brom, what does 69,420 
moon pies mean? It means you shove together some funny numbers hoping you reply would land. What about 69 moon pies? Nice. <laughs> and I just think it's funny because when you see... Now, maybe nobody's laughing. I just think it's funny. We see somebody actually from a company being a smartass. Linda Saucer, wishing my Jewish family and friends a happy Hanukkah. May the candles light shine peace on all of us. It's like raining on your wedding day, a free ride when you're already paid. It's the Hanukkah greeting from an Astomite who totally thinks she isn't. The Mossad for the blocked. They show a picture. May the candles lit be not made of C4. And once again, Mossad is the special forces of Israel. And that's our tweet of the day. Hey, tweet of the day! Hate tweets, fired up resistance. Please, Santa Mueller, give us a big, huge Christmas present this week, something to add to our holiday cheer and give, get us through the brand new year. Here we come, November 6, 2018. March for Truth. We join forces with Move On, Invisible Team, Common Cause, Public Citizens, and many other partners to prepare a rapid response to Donald Trump fires Mueller. We have 80,000 RSVPs to 500 events in 50 states. They, they were planning so hard, they wanted to fucking civil unrest something. Somebody said, this is kind of cute. They got all down to the hour, so keep those pussy hats by the door just in case. <laughs> Someone I really admire gave me three pieces of advice after Trump was elected. One, if you want to flip Congress, start with the state government, volunteer locally, and when the apocalypse happens, rise up. A firing Mark Mueller would be three. We have to all be prepared. Hashtag America, we have to do better than this. A few helpful hints. Memorize important contacts. You need a solar change charger, a headlamp, a bail fund. Set an off-site meeting time place with your crew. Someone stay at the place while you march. That person administrates your bail. Tomorrow, dress for the streets. I never really cared but much, but I hope Mueller gets fired just to see the streets full of idiots. <laughs> then Kyle Griffin had the hate tweet for the resistance. I'm not going to read the replies. People with the knowledge of Mueller investigation tell WAPO it could last at least another year. Members of Mueller's team have told others they expect to be working through much of 2018 at the minimum. They're not letting this stop, folks, until they find something on Trump. Something. It may have nothing to do with Russia. And I once again say, would that ever happen with Obama? There wouldn't even be an investigation. Women's March. Activists delivered these cakes to Senator Collins with an important message. Kill this bill. Don't kill us. Vote no on the GOP tax scam. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Here is actually a sound of one of these activists. It's in Portland, Maine, and I've got with me here um, Rebecca Wood and Charlie, her daughter. And this was two weeks ago when Susan, yeah, I mean, she was backing up. Two weeks later, voted for this tax bill. And look these people down, and the entire state and the entire country down. Susan is a pivotal center. She can make the difference. She can do the right thing, but she didn't. And we don't understand it and not get any time with her. 
I got arrested in her office a couple weeks ago. A week later, she arrested nine clergy members from her office. I mean, where does it end? I saw clergy that have a built relationship with her every single Monday. We are perplexed about it, and we're so disappointed because she has the power, she has the fullness to do the right thing. She did thing this summer with the ACA, and we thought she was back. And then out of nowhere almost. So maybe that's just my naivety, but now we feel like we don't understand her at all. She's completely the democratic process for, that we used to communicate with our you know, congressional members has now been broken. And that's why we're seeing more an escalation of our voices. We're having to do sit-ins. We're doing things that we never, ever thought we would be doing. But we are doing it because we're not being heard. And we're not being represented. Right. And that's going to change. Yes. Either they're going to vote against the bill and uh, return our country to the regular order and start passing legislation that actually uh, addresses our needs and promotes human flourishing as opposed to human suffering. Or come November, come November, these representatives and senators will feel the wrath of an American people that is sick and tired of being ignored and dehumanized. Like right. Lindsey Graham ran away and Megan downstairs. Shame. It is shameful. It is deeply shameful. And it is a reflection. I have a strong feeling that most of these people in the resistance are pretty fucking unhinged, all right? Don't kill us, cakes. What is fucking wrong with you? None of that is true. But they're a cult. Joe St. George, Colorado Democratic Party, announces a new name for their annual dinner. It used to be called Jefferson Jackson Dinner. It's now called the Obama Dinner. Yeah. It's a fundraiser. Kyle Clark. Be interested to see what they rename the dinner in 2027 when Americans find it's abominable that someone could have opposed same-sex marriage for most of their political career. Somebody else. Why not the Hezbollah sympathizer dinner? Collusion. Obama let Hezbollah terrorists off the hook for Iran deal. The Iran deal has, as we pointed out many times, only benefited Iran. In fact, that deal was more craptastic than any of us knew. Turns out Obama gave Iranian-backed Hezbollah multiple get-out-of-jail-free cards. Yeah, the more you dig the more it's worse. Then there's Roland Martin. Just heard this idiotic truck driver on CBS News say he has spent $7,500 in the last two years on the Affordable Care Act, and he's only been to the doctor one time. He hates Obamacare, but let him get sick one time. He'll be thankful for health care. Guy Benson. Yeah, what a moron. Noticing that his rates and out-of-pocket costs have gone way up, not down, like he was promised by Obama and the Democrats. By all means, sneer at that guy. So because the guy spent thousands for a product he didn't use, he shouldn't be mad because they're there was a chance he could have used it you've been grubered you do realize he was talking about you when he called people dumb then adam baldwin has challenged jimmy kimmel i met jimmy killer at jake tapper's book party and ho ho hwd a few years ago he seems fearless of ben shapiro at the time jimmy jimmy should prove it now Debate him on camera. I'd pay to see this. Hell, I'd even watch Kimmel's show to see it. That'd be a first. 
Anybody fearless of arguing with Ben Shapiro is clueless about how much they don't know. It would be afraid to debate Ben Shapiro as it would be to fight Brock Lesnar. No way he would ever do it. He'll continue to hide in the shadow and chalk trash like Milo. A lot of hate on Jimmy Kimmel. I think he ruined his career. ACL, ACLU is officially a joke and not a funny one. Breaking. We're in court again to stop the Trump administration from blocking two or more young women from getting abortion care. What the hell is abortion care? Ending a life is the opposite of care, so this may be one of the dumbest tweets ever sent on abortion, and that is monumental considering how stupid the ACLU is in general when it comes to discussing abortion. Nice try softening up the language, you disingenuous hacks. Ovaju Ekache. Breaking, ACLU is in court again to fight for the right to have unborn babies of two immigrants aborted. Wow, the pro-abortion movement is very ardent in their efforts to eliminate brown babies in the name of choice. You sure do hate those brown babies. She can say that, she's black. Ah, she says, because nothing demonstrates care like the gentle hum of the abortionist's vacuum aspirator. And a million people saying, what kind of care is the baby getting in an abortion? Why is the ACLU so locked up in this, folks? I don't understand why they're so locked up in letting people that aren't even citizens get abortions. Maybe because Mexico, who they believe are all liberals that are coming here to vote for Democrats, maybe they're not down with abortion. Hmm. Catholic country, do the math. Then there's a lot of this hate coming down this week. New York Magazine, congrats to the new 28-year-old Taylor Swift for being the only person who seemed to enjoy 2017. Amber Athney, Trump derangement syndrome has made privileged liberals unable to judge the current year on anything other than politics. Santa Hammy, Taylor Swift is a very good year, managed to stay out of the political fray. Conservatives, congrats on a great year. Liberals, she must be a closest closet racist bigot that hates gays, women's, Mexicans, and puppies. <laughs> And it didn't stop with just New York Magazine, Jezebel. Shut up, Taylor Swift. Everybody hated 2017 from their article. 2017 was not a good year. In the last 12 months, the United States has been plagued by hurricanes, wildfires, gunfires, and a group of megalomaniac hell-bent on dismantling social safety nets so they can get tax breaks on their private jets. Billionaires destroyed media companies. Ice shelves cracked. Tom Petty died. The Great British Bake Off imploded. But it appears Taylor Swift had a super swell time while the rest of us suffer nightly panic attacks. Thanks very much. And she couldn't have asked for a better year. Swift posted about her wonderful 2017 on Instagram on Wednesday, just a few days after playing a show in London. I love you guys so much, she wrote. I couldn't have asked for a better year, all thanks to you. In all fairness, it was her birthday, but on my birthday, I blacked out and cried, and Taylor should have too. Billboard points out that Swift did, in fact, have a pretty good year, considering her new album, Reputation, has basically been on the top of the charts since it was released last month. Plus, she's allegedly in an awesome relationship with boyfriend Joe Alwyn. How lucky for her. And yet, it's hard to imagine even the happiest of life circumstances trumping the total trash storm that otherwise constituted this particular orbit around the sun. Anyway, undoubtedly 2018 will be the worst, so perhaps Taylor Swift will get married. Jenna Jameson. Wrong, you bunch of miserable man-hating morons. My 2017 was winning. Winning. Mo breaks. Could a trash porn star not having all her holes plugged at once please step aside? The adults were saying about our democracy. 
You know why 2017 sucked? Because of you, liberals. You've made it unbearable. Nothing, as we'll see in our Christmas segment, is off limits for you. Everything is political. Like so many other entertainers, poor Bette Midler can't seem to come to terms with the fact that Trump's the president. Bette Midler, think, how did that fat fuck get the two, the highest office in the land? A man who glued his hair on his head, government is not entertainment. One replies, so, you, who is an entertainer, feels entitled to comment on government? He is because a lying fat piece of corrupt crap ran for the other party, moron. He got there by receiving the majority electoral college votes and explained in the U.S. Constitution. Here's my take on it. Who the fuck could have got away with that with Obama? I said anything about Obama, I was called a racist. For eight years. Have I uttered any political comments? I was a racist. How'd they get away with this shit? Then the next article. You ever have one of those days where you read through a ton of tweets from SJWs just when you think you've seen the most hysterical, emotionally reactive tweets out there? You come across a special hot garbage dumpster of stupid? Because, yeah, that's this tweet from Amy Siskind. This is her tweet. Yes, it's getting worse. It's not just Trump. He has installed a regime to deconstruct an agency they run, strip away rights and regulations, and make science and education information disappear. He is tearing apart a fragile democracy and seizing power. Wake up, America! James Wood, don't fret so much. You'll die from climate change before it affects you anyway. (laughs) So how did she respond? You're a pedophile, James Wood, among other things. That is your legacy and how you'll be remembered. See what I'm saying? You say anything. You say anything that isn't anti-Trump. You get killed. But my hate for this week, there's a picture on the internet of Hillary singing. And I guess the Daily Show did the Woman's Song 2017. The article goes, Correspondent Desi Lick and Duke Sloan, not real names, or Duce, I don't fucking know, collaborated to write an anthem while Joy Roy Wood Jr., who serves as a music producer, wanted to support women like the underwire of a bra and just lift them. A song covered a lot of ground, including the Women's March, Elizabeth Warren's persistence, Saudi women being able to drive cars, South Korean President Park Gi-hoon impeachment, Wonder Woman being a box office hit, to Beyonce Knowles twins. But they also took a swipe at NBC's Megyn Kelly. Sloan then asked Hillary Clinton to take us home. So... Here's that horrible song. I'm sorry I'm playing it, but it's really bad. All right, you ladies ready to lay it down? You ready? And here it is, the world premiere of Song for Women 2017. This is for you, ladies. Hand in hand, 
A show that pussy grabber with a terrible tan. Everywhere I looked, a lady resisted. Tried to stop Lizzie. Yes, she persisted. All around the world, we've come so far. Saudi women sitting at the wheel of a vehicle. PM Chancellor, all we preached. South Korean women even getting impeached. What a year for women. It's why we're singing. Finally see us winning. What a year for women. Wonder Woman set records at the movies. Who knew you could direct when you have boobies? On the charts, Cardi B spin the fire. Beyonce had twins. That's double Messiah. Megyn Kelly went to NBC from Fox. 17 million for a show that sucks. Women all over taking care of each other. Showing some love to our sisters of color. I can say that, right? Nope. What a year for women. It's why we're singing. Finally see us winning in this year of women. All you producers and actors end up in the trash like the O'Reilly factor. Cause when you look at the patriarchy. Hold up, hold up. DJ Mansplain is here. I'ma tell y'all what really happened this year. Men are from Mars. Women, they're from Venus. Nobody likes a surprise penis, but maybe you ask for it. It's kind of on you. We men are dumb. We can't control what we do. Uh too many men this year acting like stalkers. It makes me so sad. I got a daughter. And that's all the time I got to mansplain. Time for the hook. Yo, ladies, hit that refrain. Uh No, we're not doing that. Mm-mm. Get the f*** out of here. Out. Damn, man. Trying to help, you know? Young Hillary Clinton, take us home. <laughs> what a year for women. It's why we're singing. Keeping it feminine. But this mess we've been in. Our lady dicks are swinging. Sick of all this winning. It's the sound we're That was just fucking horrible. To our hypocrisy, we're we'll start with Sally Yates. Remember, she was fired for disrespect to the president and obstruction, and she's a, a, just an Obama lackey. She actually had the balls to write an article. We have reached an inflection point where our core values and de democratic institutions are at stake.
my thoughts. USA Today printed it. Here's my thoughts, Sally Yates. You brought down our core values. God and guns. Does Sally Yates have any comment on political story about Obama's Justice Department allowing Hezbollah to free reign to appease Iran? She was a part of it. That's all on a sinking ship. Sally Yates has got some nerve. Who are we as a country, she asks. I know who you are as a person, lady. You're essentially a lawless traitor. Then Pete Davidson enters the room. Now, Pete Davidson gets very few roles on SNL. He's not funny. He just looks weird. This is real. I, I didn't make this up. This should be a news and social media nugget. So, so fucking crazy. <clears throat> Saturday Night Live cast member Pete Davidson decided the best Christmas present he could get Hillary Clinton was a sweet tattoo of the failed president candidate's face. He wrote on Instagram, want to get Hillary Clinton a Christmas gift, so I got a tattoo of my hero. Thanks for being such a badass and one of the strongest people in the universe with a heart. The ink is fucking horrible. Guy Benson, the funniest thing on SNL this year. Stephen Miller, this is the funniest thing an SNL cast member has done in years. By the time it's done, because it looked like Michelle Pfeiffer, Dolly Parton, it doesn't look like her. Hillary Clinton responded to Pete Davis's tattoo of her face, and I think Pete's dead now. ABC News. ABC News covered this. Because anything about this, as another tweeter said, this is totally not a cult. They love Hillary. Sign a live cast member Pete Davidson reveals leg tattoo of his hero Hillary Clinton, who jokingly responded on Instagram, this makes it significantly less awkward that I've had a Pete Davidson tattoo for years. Do you think anybody would cover somebody getting a Mitt Romney tattoo? No bias, though. New York Times opinion, they're still going with it. The hunger among North Korean is devastating, and it's our fault. Our fault. Whole things. Anna Hartfield states the obvious. Sanctions are designed to hurt so the North Korean government will change its policies, says Key Park. But they're hurting the wrong people. Folks, stop. Just stop with the North Korea. If North Korea was such a fucking problem and they were starving, Obama sanctioned the fuck out of them for eight years. I didn't see articles about the people dying in the streets. You're fucking hypocrites. Lena Sun knew it's not just the CDC. Certain words are banned at a multiple HHS agencies. Words including diversity, vulnerable, and also at the State Department now, certain documents refer to sex education as sexual risk avoidance. My story, Sally Cohn, dictators ban words. Here's the hypocrisy. It's amazing how short people's memories are. Obama bans tra- terms jihad and Islam. The difference between the Trump ban words because he wants to breed racism, hatred, and intolerance. Nice try. It's different because I hate him, a Twitter person said. Do you not remember? Obama did all sorts of ban words. He had fucking NASA spreading fucking Islam. Don't worry about the stars and meteors. Just worry about spreading Islam. We need to improve what people think of Islam. You fucking hypocrites. Then there's this huge article, and I just think this is peak hypocrisy. This is peak 
2017, my friends. This just sums up 2017. Let me get a drink. Let me get another drink, because this is really good. So, Peter Barry Chalka did an article, CNN declares war on Fox News. And within it is this. Since last spring, MMFA has been actively spearheading in an effort to get viewers to boycott Hannity advertisers in an attempt to have him taken off the air. Media Matters for America is a Hillary Clinton spawn group that wants to be like MRC. MRC has an affiliation only with the Hannity show. The head of MRC will come on occasionally and cover media bias. That's it. He's not on any other network. This article proves that Media Matters is working with CNN and feeding them stories. Within this article, there's Brian Seltzer introduces CNN Reliable Sources December 17th. People were on there. Ellen R., Brian Seltzer, Kurt Barn, Handis Gold, David Fulfick. Talk about Fox News isn't news. Tamara Holder, Fox News isn't news. Podesta Arresta, CNN declares war and nobody hears it because if you're seeing the ratings, nobody watches CNN who's actually seeking news. The only ones who are tuning in are seeking their daily talking points until Maddow comes on in the evening. Joe Concha, seeing CNN declare war on Fox News is trending. Note, this isn't exactly a new development. Both networks have been trading blows for years. David, should CNN declare war on the Cartoon Channel instead of Fox? Right only. CNN declares wars. Who cares? CNN is, has been the media that belongs to the libs. Fox News speaks to the majority of people and will always be number one. Blah, 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 blah. But it has gone beyond the normal stuff. And they are now outright trying to spin, and I don't know why, that Fox News isn't news. Fox News isn't news. That's what they're trying to spin, and here's a soundbite. Do we call this collusion? I think you've seen an almost total erosion between what you're hearing from uh, Trump administration officials desperately spinning and trying to defend the president, uh, Trump surrogates who appear on cable channels uh, all the time, and the Fox News uh, talent, the hosts, the commentators, the people being paid by Rupert Murdoch and by 21st Century Fox at Fox News. They are offering the same message and the message is don't look at or think about what may be under investigation let's find whatever we can to undermine uh, the pillars of, of the respect that we tend to confer upon institutions like the FBI and the Justice Department you and I have covered Fox News for years is it appropriate to call the channel a news channel it's such a good question I think that there... Shepard Smith is a journalist he works for Fox here's what Brett I would Bear say is a journalist here's he works what I for would Fox. say here's what I would say and I think it's only more true now in the Trump era I would say that there are journalists there are reporters there are producers there are people who care about the news who work at Fox News Fox News is not about news Fox News is about Fox. Fox News is about getting uh, a tonal point of view, making sure viewers get what they think viewers need to get. 
whether or not that involves at, at, uh, much of the time at facts. And you see it, you know it's true because it's true at the most highly rated times of day. It's true for who's being paid, who's being promoted, why are they being promoted. You see anchors who are slipping into some of those uh, Fox and Friend hosts' uh, 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 guest slots and they start to take a sharper tone. They start to take a mo more kind of incredulous look on their faces. Mm -hmm. They are pushing out the same message of incredulity about prosecutors, investigators doing their job, trying to look at some very serious issues being raised about the people who are around this president. I mean, do I need to list off all the fake stories, bombshells, things that CNN's had to correct? Now, let, let's just get, get to the chase for those who knew the show. Brian Seltzer used to be a podcaster like me that attacked FOD News because he's a he's just a total libtard. During the Obama administration, his chief of staff, his press secretary, would have cordial conversations with MSDNC and CNN every morning and go on Fox News and be a dick. Obama outright attacked Fox News for entire eight years, said horrible things about Fox News, punchline jokes Fox News. There was never a war on the media. But Brian Seltzer saying, can we even call it news? CNN, you have been biased for Hillary Clinton and the Democrats forever. You have not been in news. Nobody turns to you other than for national disasters. Because they know you have more cameras out there. And if you notice the nice little tonality, what is your tonality, CNN? Your tonality is Trump is Satan. Shep Smith is a journalist because he's a liberal and he's gay. He hates Trump. Did you catch it? Folks. This is like the pot calling the kettle black. And I'll end this segment, which I was going to make it a lot longer, but it pretty much speaks for itself. So I'm not going to lose my mind on this. Catherine Bird. CNN declares war on the American people with lies, propaganda, and fake news. CNN refuses to tell its viewers of the corruption going on in D.C. with intelligent departments. CNN has been lying to the American people for 18 months, running fake collusion bombshells and bullshit. CNN isn't news. So, to our, oh, we want to do Media Mash. Let me see what we have left in this. Let's do a couple more articles, and then we're going to go into our Media Mash, and then close out with Stats Today and go to music break. Um, CNN politics. Senator-elect Doug Jones of Alabama doesn't join the several Senate Democrats calling for Trump to step down. I think we need to move on and not get distracted by those issues. I don't think a president ought to resign right now. Instantaneously, I'll just read one. What is the moral compass you speak of? What the actual fuck is wrong with you? People attack the shit out of them. And that's the hypocrisy in the media and the bias. He may be a Democrat, but he's an Alabama Democrat. And Alabama trounced Hillary. He won by one percentage point because the other guy's accused pedophile. He didn't win because of his views, his policies, or anything. And he won because of a lot of Soros money that came in, which is going to be happening big time. They can't fundraise right now because they got nothing to fundraise on other than more lies and spin. So it's big Koch brother type Democrats that are funding the impeachment style. And Soros with his moveon.org. Then Jennifer Rubin, <clears throat> tacking on to Charles C.W. Cook's piece on Jennifer Rubin blogger, allow me to share a few more gems. 
We all know Jen Rubin tends to criticize politicians by name. So what you might ask, as she said this year about prominent liberal Democrats, I've tracked it. So strap in. I'll begin with Senator Schumer, who has drawn Rubin's explicit attention 76 times in the past 12 months. Take a guess on how many times she criticized Chuck Schumer. Remember, she writes the right blog. The right turn blog for WAPO. Zero times. She's criticized Schumer zero times. In fact, Rubin seems to view Schumer almost as the choice, the voice of reason in our troubled times. For your edification, 121916 Trump would be wise to follow the recommendation of Senator Schumer. 122916, Schumer is leading advocate for Israel and human rights. 1417, Trump would be wise to listen to Schumer. 11017, whole column praising Schumer for slowing Senate confirmation process. 11317, notes uncritically that if Schumer plays his cards right, Trump might deliver more policy victories for Dems. 11917, praises Schumer for going after Trump's billionaire non-Paul appoints. 21417, quotes Schumer as a witness in a column called Trump is a threat to national security. 430, 516, 618, 628, and 730. Distinguished poll of the week again. We'll be remiss if we do not praise Schumer, who shows uncommon restraint and graciousness after the GOP went down in flames. 913 and 1417. Schumer's great. In three different columns. 12817. Schumer's great. On tax bill. And there's interest in the topic. I'll post my notes on remarks on Pelosi and Shift. All right, let's take on a look at what Jennifer Rubin, conservative, has to say about Nancy Pelosi. In the past 12 months, Rubin has mentioned Pelosi's 66 articles. She has not once criticized Pelosi, just all of us shaking our heads. Most of the time, Rubin has uncritically quoted Pelosi as evidence underscoring her own anti-Trump or anti-GOP viewpoint. She did on 2-6, again, and his personal favorite. And remarks, remarkable spin job. She again recalls Pelosi's infamous claim that you have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. Rubin says Pelosi simple in essence said you have to get away from the political noise to appreciate it. 920, 323, 323 again, 324, 414, 719, 927, advise Democrats need a four-prong plan to beat Trump and his philosophy. In reality, the piece longly muses about Dems totally paralyzing the GOP, not Trump and his philosophy, and on it goes. So that is the hypocrisy in WAPO. That is the right track person. She runs a blog. She's brought on TV as a conservative and all she writes about is how awesome the Dems are. That's what WAPO, CNN, MSDNC believe is a conservative. Just like the Latino lady that hates Trump. Just like that idiot that ran the fucking Romney campaign or the McCain campaign on the ground. That's what our media say conservatives are. Conservatives are people that like Democrats to the media. So, here's our media mash. Ali Veshi on MSDNC pissed off when facts presented on net neutrality. CNN Trump is like other dictators on the press. Cuomo on CNN proves CNN is the resistance. Listen to his support on the resistance hating Trump voters. Poppy Harlow isn't worrying about, she's very worried that he talks about Chicago deaths, but not the deaths at all. Rule, income inequality, Mitchell, Trump's Speech was horrible because it didn't cover Lib's talking points. Mojo, Trump creating new McVeighs in the country. And 
I once again want you to refer back to my common statement on this show. There's no bias. There's no bias at all. We may end up freezing the Internet in time in that these big companies exist as big companies and they'll never be a real uh, competitor to Facebook or, or, or Google or Amazon. Right. So there's a lot of hype and it's very confusing. It gets very legal very quickly. So what the FCC did in February of 2015 was put a 1934 law of the Communications Act of 1934, a part of it called Title II, onto broadband Internet uh, uh, networks. So, but before that, that's when all those companies you just cited were actually, you know, started in dorm rooms and then became, uh, some of the world's largest corporations. And so they did that before this Title II thing. So the term, by the way, net neutrality has no legal definition. So the question is, before February of 2015, what worked? How did this ecosystem work to allow those entrepreneurs to do all that? Right. We we, we didn't use as much bandwidth. Part, Part of the issue is that everything we do now uses Internet bandwidth. We, that, that's been coming over the years. And, and, and before February 2015 as well. So you have the Federal Trade Commission Act, for instance. You have the Clayton Act and the Sherman Act. Those are three very powerful federal statutes that kept the Internet open and free some prior point, to Someone will say, why would you ever use my service as opposed to the existing one that paid for the fast lane? Section 1 and Section 2 of uh, Sherman Act and Section 3 of Clayton Act. You just triggered all three of those sections. That would be an antitrust violation. Federal Trade Commission could go after them also under Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act. That was against the law before February of 2015, and it will be against the law as of today. But if we look at imprisonment, more than half of the 262 journalists imprisoned around the world are in Turkey, China, and Egypt. Sadly, these are also three of the countries that President Trump chose to meet with their leaders um, at the beginning of his term and, as far as we know, didn't raise this. We know that journalists are generally being jailed on anti-state charges, which mean that they're doing journalism, but it's being equated with supporting terrorism and we're also seeing that the whole false news issue has landed more than twice as many journalists in jail as last year. Meaning dictatorships are using the term fake news as a slur in order to attack journalists? Absolutely. So we're seeing that it's being used not only to imprison and attack journalists, but to kick them out of the country, as in the case uh, of Cambodia, kicking out Radio Free Asia, in terms of delegitimizing journalists. So this year there are 21 journalists behind jail on false news charges. And usually this means that they were reporting on something that the government didn't like or didn't agree with or would prefer to remain silent. A very disturbing situation. And and the the takeaway I found from your report is that it's getting worse. It's not getting better. We're at the same numbers as we were this time last year. It is getting worse. This is the worst year on record since we began keeping records in the early 1990s. And last year was Mm -hmm. the worst year before this. So what this is saying is that journalists are in a very perilous position. And it's made worse by, um, you know, the President of the United States deciding to pillory the news industry and target individual journalists. And this is having an impact. We can see the fake news, uh, you know, rhetoric being used by leaders around the world to legitimize yeah. a crackdown on the press from everywhere from Russia to Egypt, even Poland and Hungary. So I hope, you know, especially with our, our political um, talk that we can just kind of tamp it down a little bit and really start bringing people together and start understanding our similarities rather than focusing on the differences and, and get to a better place. I hear so many people saying that and craving that. They say that they want to vote for person, not party anymore, and what they hope for in the next elections is a good person. Mm. I mean, look, once again, what frustrates some people about the panels is, yes, 
That's true. They should do that. Yet they voted for somebody that exacerbated the divisions in the society and did it to great effect and to great advantage and kind of put us in a more precarious position. And three of them regret their vote. Mm. And when you say what frustrates some people, is that um, your own personal view? Uh, no. I mean, I, I like watching them. I, I think you have fun with them. And I, I enjoy the television quality of it. I do think we should talk to people who voted against President Trump also and oh, people have. who are independent voters. No, no. no well, listen, we've we, done whole we panels mainly, of independents. No, not like we've we do done. these. But that's not my point. I, I don't. It's not just me. I'll show you my Twitter thread. I know you left this because you think it's too hostile. A place, I do. But it's there. I think it's informative to have them on. Yeah. But it is frustrating. Uh, objectively, because there's often a disconnect. We want to come together. We yeah. want to be about people. And then you voted for somebody who did the opposite. I understand, but I am hearing more often people sort of citing humanity and craving humanity. And I don't know, maybe there's a, a wave for 2000. You should vote that way, too. And then it all comes together. Let's see, Let's see what happens in the new year. Could, could this, in part, drive a wedge between some law enforcement and and the communities that they police back at home. Um, you heard the president single out Chicago and the murder rate in Chicago. Everyone knows, the police commissioner, Rahm Emanuel, the mayor, knows what the problem is in Chicago, right? And it, it has to be resolved. However, to hear him go after Chicago and say what the hell, in his words, is going on in Chicago, let, lest we forget that this is the Trump administration who, through Attorney General Jeff Sessions, tried through the court system to pull funding from Chicago because it is a sanctuary city. Dick Durbin, senator of Illinois, said you want to cut federal funds for this city and then criticize the murder rate in this city. There's some hypocrisy there. Sure, and I think you have to view him holding up Chicago and Baltimore and other cities the way he does is really purely a political uh, exercise. This reflects a worldview that the president has expressed uh, going back to the 1980s, long before he ever got into politics, that basically the problems with society are found in you know, high crime, very diverse cities where there is significant poverty and significant social problems uh, that come along with it. Mm -hmm. That's something is one of the few areas where the president has been uh, very, very consistent uh, throughout his life. And even uh, uh, nonpartisan tax committees say that at least in the initial years, this is going to be a stimulative uh, tax bill. So it solves a lot of their political problems, especially in the wake of the failure of the Obamacare uh, reform, if, if reform is the word you want for it. But does it? They have supercharged the economy, the economy that was already doing well, and the portion of the economy that has been, that has benefited since President Trump won and that will benefit from this plan are the rich. And income inequality is the biggest issue that plagues this nation, one of the biggest issues. Look, I'm not, uh, th there, there's sort of good, bad, and, and ugly in, in, in this bill. I think one of the biggest failures of the bill comes really with the individual rates. That being said, I mean, this is, remember, this is me speaking, and I'm, I'm conservative, so people should know where I'm, where I'm coming from. Cutting corporate taxes, repatriating billions of dollars of capital that are unnecessarily being parked in That's places like thing. Ireland, those are good things. Those do end up creating jobs, stimulate, uh, uh, stimulating wages. Ultimately, people end up having to find jobs from somewhere, and, and repatriating all of that capital and putting it into more productive uses is terrific. The problem comes with individual rates, where the bill is just kind of a flat failure, and the 100% business expensing worries me a great deal, because one of the things that does is it means that companies are going to make decisions based on tax considerations rather than the actual quality of investments. We went through this before in the early 1980s. We ended up with the savings and loan crisis. We did. Eddie, 
This thing is most likely going to go through. Is there any silver lining that you see in it? I know you don't like this bill. No, not at all. And, you know, the question is going to be supercharged, but it's going to be a sugar high. Right. And you know what happens when our kids are on sugar, high, sugar highs. Right. There's a kind of crash that happens and it eventually harms them in so many different sorts of ways. Well, I think they should be participating in the sense in this sense. I think they should be offering an alternative economic vision. They should actually be very clear about what this tax bill yeah. is all about. It is it is basically highway robbery on the part of by the, on the part of the top one percent in terms of, of the national coffers. They should then lay out an economic plan. Right. That would be really and seriously an economic plan for the middle class and working people and working poor people and show exactly what the Republican tax plan is, that that this is not and has little to do with everyday ordinary people, that the tax cuts that are supposedly going to the middle class, middle class folk are, will be, well, how many years now? I mean, you talk about this every day. They, they, they're not permanent, that the co corporate tax rates are per or cuts are permanent. We need to show exactly what this is. And this is highway robbery uh, on the part I, of the top look, one look, percent. The Andrea, did you hear anything in there that might have uh, perked up the ears of allies or adversaries overseas? Well, there were some contradictions because he spoke of China and Russia as being revisionist countries who are aiming to hurt the United States. This after two really remarkably chummy conversations with Vladimir Putin in the last four days alone. He also, in talking about China as trying to compete against the United States, he is widely criticized by many economic and trade experts for having withdrawn from the TPP trade deal, which gave China an open field to compete and best the United States, where we basically left the field open to China and did not join all of our other Asian allies to make these uh, multilateral trade agreements. The other thing is notable is that he doesn't speak about climate change, which has been declared uh, by the Pentagon and by the Obama administration, certainly as part of a national security challenge uh, because of the effect that climate change has on refugee migration movements. It, it also was a departure and, and an open criticism, as Halley was just saying, sounding more like a campaign speech, like a stump speech, than a real national security strategy. And it comes only hours after our closest allies, France and, and Great Britain, lined up 14 to 1 against the United States at the UN Security Council today, rejecting the President's designation of Jerusalem as a legal capital of Israel to have our embassy eventually move. And that 14 to 1 resignation, uh, rather rejection, did include the first veto by the United States at the UN Security Council. Today. All right, Andrea Mitchell, thank you. They're literally, and it's very dangerous because because blood will be on the hands of people that 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 whip people into a frenzy uh, and and lie. Uh, but they're saying that there's a coup no. going on right now, uh, which is is one of the most extraordinarily irresponsible things I've ever heard a major network do. This when is you were spreading. Uh, a message that the Federal Bureau of Investigations and that a Vietnam War hero who won a uh, the Purple Heart and 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 uh, one medal after another and has devoted his entire life to America that he is launching a coup against the President of the United States that will. In the same way that all the conspiratorial theories that I heard about black helicopters when I was running in 1994, that will attach to somebody like Timothy McVeigh. And they will take action. And yes, we will know who put those diseased thoughts in their heads saying that the Federal Bureau of Investigations was launching a coup against an elected president. 
I, I, I cannot think of a more reckless, irresponsible thing I have ever heard in my life. That network has these clowns on television who last week went on and repeatedly compared the FBI to the KGB. They said we should shut down the, the FBI because it's turning into an Obama-led KGB. Do these people have any idea what the KGB did in the Soviet Union for a hundred years? They, that the KGB was complicit in deaths of millions of people, tens that the, of, of millions, millions of people, tens it is, of millions, and, and these and these people go on television and say the FBI is the KGB. Like, like, to let the president go off and say what he's going to say because there's no way to contain him. But the rest of the responsible adults out here should not be going around saying things Joseph, like the FBI Joseph is the KGB. Stalin. Joseph Stalin's KGB killed, many historians believe, over 30 million people. They're on Fox News right now, this weekend, people comparing the brave men and women who put their lives on the line every day for us, who put their lives on the line under the leadership of Bob Mueller after September 11th to make sure we didn't get hit with another 9-11. And we didn't get hit with another 9-11 in large part because of Bob Mueller. And they're comparing Bob Mueller to Joseph Stalin's KGB. Do you have problems with Bob Mueller? That's fine. But don't say he's launching a coup on the United States of America. Don't compare him to the KGB, to, to, to Stalin's KGB. Don't inspire hatred that will lead to the killing of Americans. You know, the funny thing as we go into our stats of the day is I try to come up with the most biased stuff from 2017 to do a show at the end of the year, and it's totally fucking impossible. There's just so much bias. It's hard to pick out what's the worst. All right. Interesting stat. Updated. Star Wars box office decline. Last Jedi, first Tuesday receipts are 42% off from The Force Awakens. You didn't hear that in the media. You heard that it was the most grossing, blah, 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 blah. For the opening weekend, it kicked ass. Now it sucks compared to the other ones. Another stat, and I spoke of it. RNC outraises DNC in record-breaking November. That's the second time in a row, October, November, the Dems are getting beaten in fundraising. But... All you hear in the meeting is there's a huge tie coming in 2018. They're going to get the Senate, the House, Trump's going to get impeached, and unicorns are going to fall out of the fucking sky that are in rainbow colors. Okay. Survey, 4 in 10 American women say they experience gender discrimination in the office. The interesting tidbit in that and why I'm covering it, 2 in 10 men reported. I don't know any men that would say they're sexually discriminated. I I don't understand that. If I got sexually discriminated, I'd like it. Yeah. You want to sexually harass me? Go for it. I'm old. NFL's biggest audience this season can't save it. It's still down 8.4% year on. So it's increasing, actually. But that has to do with all the injuries, I think, now. It's no longer the flag. It's that the good players are no longer playing. John McCormick, Hillary Clinton approval rating at a new low, according to Gallup. She's down to 36%. I could read you about 4,000 tweets of people getting pissed. But Chris Saliza, who got attacked worse for saying it, she's historically unpopular. Why? He details. The 2016 race has never really ended. That's true. Clinton isn't sorry. She is the last Republican boogeyman. We're still too close to it all. 
I would say because it hasn't ended because you and the media won't let it end. Hmm. Then there was this false gun shit that came out this week. Americans 34 times more likely to be killed by a lawnmower than by foreign-born jihad. They actually put that stat up. Derek Hunter. Lawnmowers don't do it on purpose. He then tweeted, Islamic terrorists want to kill you. The mower is a working tool that can't do everything on its own. Hmm. Another stat, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders nominated two stories, the most unreported in the first year. One, defeat of ISIS, booming Trump economy. But Sahil Kapur surprises me. If this bill passes, Trump GOP will have repealed the ACA individual mandate, cut taxes by $1.5 trillion, open Anwar, put Neil Gorsuch in the Supreme Court, confirmed a dozen appellant judges, and killed a lot of regulations. This is not a trivial agenda. Ari Fleischer, his stories largely destroyed ISIS, aligned with Israel and Sunni Arabs instead of with Iran, recognized Jerusalem as Israeli's capital, plus two consecutive quarters of 3% growth. None of that will be covered. Interesting stat because of global warming, climate change, global climate, whatever the fuck we're calling it. In New York, there's 83 inches of snow. They're on pace to get 270 inches. That's how much snow they've gotten. Hmm. Another one, 0.5 million Americans over the age of 75 are still working. I think that's the future for all of us. All of us. We're going to be working. We're going to all be greeters at Walmart. The Hill, for that article I talked about, Trump accused her lobby to be his makeup artist months before... Her allegations roiled campaign. Months before it roiled the campaign. So she did not get hired, but she was sexually harassed. El Lobo sums it up for me. You just can't make this shit up. So basically what that's saying, boys and girls... She was never a part of the campaign, but somehow she was sexually harassed during the campaign. Does anybody, did anybody catch that? Does anybody do the math on that? Cause that sounds like what I thought it was. She's a lib plant who went to get a job, didn't get hired. So now she comes up with a fake sexual harassment claim, even though she was never around Trump. Why is the media not? Re- oh, I know why they're not reporting it. Because they want Trump to be impeached. Got it. To a music break. A little Christmas joy. And then we're going to go on new social media nuggets. Going to do it totally the opposite. When we go in, you'll hear the Yakota rap. This is actually an Air Force produced thing for Yakota Japan. And I thought it was awesome. Enjoy. Like firewood, a certain spirit that is lighting up the neighborhood. I think it's time for the timeless time of the year. Time of the year. You bundle up, got a blizzard coming all the way. The family fighting like they do because it's the holidays. And every memory you're holding in your heart is alive once more right here.
Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Stop. Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. game on campus these days and they call it pc pc politically correct and it's not just politics it's everything it's what you eat it's what you wear and it's what you say if you don't watch yourself you can get in a buttload of trouble for instance right see these girls yeah. no you don't those are women you call them girls and they'll pop your figs save the whales okay he's in the military now You know I love Christmas and my name is Colonel Moss, so have a happy holiday. That's an order from your boss. I'm Chief Young, and to piggyback on that, you know we're the merriest with a holiday rally. You can stare if you dare, but you know we don't care. Air power is the answer no matter what we wear. Mobility is our business, not reindeer games. Bringing hope and joy, make it rain candy cane. At Yakota Air Base, there's no reindeer or sleigh. Santa dropping presents from a C-130J. He knows we're prepared. And we're swift to fight. So Merry Christmas, y'all. And to all a good night. Uh, the song, Count on Christmas, was actually from Christmas Story Live. We're going to cover that in our segment today, Afternoon Social Media Nuggets. So once again, that was a rap song done by the Air Force. So you go to Japan, thought it was really funny. To our military stories in the military corner, two Navy airmen and, a, and an object that accelerated like nothing ever seen. The following recounts an incident in 2004 that advocates of research into UFOs have said it is a kind of event worthy of more investigation and that was studied by the Pentagon program that investigated UFOs. Expert caution that earthly explanations often exist for such incidents, and that unknowing the explanation does not mean that the event is interstellar. Commander David LaFavor and Lieutenant Commander Jim Slott run a routine, routine training mission 100 miles out in the Pacific when radio and each of their F-18 Super Hornet crackled. An operation officer on board, the USS Princeton and Navy cruiser, wanted to know if they were carrying weapons. Two CATAM 9s, they said, he had not been expecting any hostile exchange off the coast of San Diego. In a recent interview with the New York Times, recalled what happened next. Some of it is captured in video. Well, we got a real-world vector for you, the radio operator said, according to Commander Favor. The Princeton had been tracking a mysterious craft. The object appeared suddenly at 80,000 feet and then hurtled toward the sea, eventually stopping at 20,000 feet and hovering. Then it either dropped out of radar range or shot back up. The radar operator instructed Favor and Slot, or Slate, or whatever his name is, to go to the place. 
They headed towards the object. The Princeton alerted them that they closed in, but when they arrived at a merge point with the object, naval aviation parlance for those being so close to Princeton could tell which were the object of which were the fighter jets. Either neither Favor or Commander Strait could see anything. There was nothing on the radar. Then Favor looked down to the sea and it was calm that day, but the waves were breaking over something that was just below the surface. Whatever it was, it was big enough to churn. Hovering 50 feet above the churn was an aircraft of some kind, whitish, that was around 40 feet long and oval in shape. The craft was jumping around erratically, staying over the wave disturbance, but not moving in a specific direction. Ooh, wow. I don't believe any of that shit, but I believe there's, you know, other worlds out there. But every time I read one of these, I just crack the fuck up. Wreaths Across America, a special honor for six Civil War soldiers. This is a great article on task and purpose. It covers all of it. Another one that I'm not going to read because I'll cry in the process. I love you, bro. Soldier killed in Afghanistan. Left behind poignant last message to an old army buddy. It is a great article. And he was killed in a crash. The Army's latest big upgrade to the Abrams tank started rolling off the assembly line. <clears throat> With the first of six M1A2 System Enhancement Package Version 3 production vehicles. Testing for the M1A2 SEP V3 commenced in 2015 and production is being conducted by General Dynamics. This version is the most modernized configuration of the Abrams tank, having improved force protection and system survivability enhancement, increased lethality over the M1 and the previous M1A2 versions. So they fixed a lot of stuff with the computer. And we did this in the summer... The replacement for the UH-60 and the AH-64, the V-280 Valor Tilt Rotor Mini Osprey, took its first flight in Amarillo, Texas. It's going to replace the Apache and the UH-60 Hilo. The Valor boasts a top speed of 280 knots, hence somewhat cheekily the V-280 designation, and a range of up 800 nautical miles. That's double the top speed and operational range of the Trident II Blackhawk. And with troop capacity of 14 armed warfighters plus a crew of four, the load capacity is more than 12,000 pounds. The Valor can haul 23% more troops and 25% more cargo than a conventional utility helicopter. And that's from Popular Mechanics. I can't wait to see those flying over my house here in Tennessee, since I'm so close to Fort Campbell. Now to our crazy. Keeping up with our Christmas theme, bows and wrap gifts now offensive on campus. Yeah, that's a true story. An academic department at the University of Minnesota declared that bows, wrap gifts are not appropriate for gatherings and displays at this time of year. Encouraging employees to consider neutral theme parties such as winter celebrations. The documents even suggest avoiding color combinations that could be confused with Christmas or Hanukkah. According to a copy of the guideline obtained by Campus Reform, UMN's College of Food, Agricultural, and Natural Resources encourages employees to recognize holidays in which ways they are respectful of diversity of our community. Consider neutral theme parties. Consider neutral theme parties such as winter celebrations. The flyers suggest adding that decorations, music, and food should be general and not specific to any religion. It actually shows it. Do you not know or need to approach someone in your department about the expression of their faith? 
If you are concerned that there are inappropriate religious celebrations in your work or learning environment, or if you or anyone in your unit is concerned about religious expression, call the EEOC. In general, the following are not appropriate. Santa Claus, angels, Christmas trees, star of Bethlehem, dreidels, nativity scene, bows, wrapped gifts, menorah, bells, doves, red and green or blue and white silver decoration themes, red and green are representative of Christian and blue and white are Jewish, that is also celebrated this time of year. So basically, only atheist, Wiccan, or Satanist celebrations are authorized. Hmm. Another one that just makes sense to me, NFL co-hosts social justice training for college athletes. The NFL is co-hosting a three-day workshop at Morehouse College where student athletes will learn to become influencers and community leaders with the mechanics to develop their advocacy platform. The NFL recently pledged $89 million to brainwash kids in college. You're going to kill your brand, NFL. You're just going to kill it. Professor praises Intifada and a P in P is for Palestine book. A pro-Palestinian Islamist children's book has outraged some Jewish groups by praising Intifada, an Arab word that also refers to two violent uprisings against Israel and left thousands dead. The author, a professor at Pace University, maintains that while Intifada is associated with the Palestinian, Palestinian uprising, it really means its real meaning is simply rise up for what's right. Okay, so what's right's killing Jews. Got it! Harvard sororities vowed to defy recruiting ban. Three Harvard University sororities recently announced their intention to hold a recruitment event next semester despite a new policy imposing sanction on members of an unrecognized single general social organization. The sororities acknowledge the risk of defying the new policy, but declare that the benefits their groups provide to female students are worth fighting for. So now you can't have sororities, they're going to have to be unisex. We'll take male, women, or it's. What's the purpose of having a sorority if you can't? What the fuck? Liberals dominate 96% of political events at Carleton. Campus Foreign Survey of official Carleton College events found that the private university hosted no conservative speakers during 2016 or 2017. Of the 25 politically oriented events listed on the school's official calendar, 24 featured liberal-leaning speakers or topics, but none offered a identifiable conservative perspective. And that's pretty much college-wise. Then there's this gem that I just, you know, you think the Christmas one's bad, but... Professor says, classroom civility promotes white racial power. This is a real article. In a recent academic journal article, two University of Northern Iowa professor blast the prevalence of whiteness in forms civility in college classrooms, saying that civil behavior reinforces white racial power. They say that endeavoring to treat everyone the same, regardless of race, for instance, functions to erase racial identity and attempt to impose a racial evasive frame of race talk. To study this phenomenon, Rudick and Glossner interviewed 10 white college students and asked them, what do you consider to be civil behavior? How do you think your racial identity may affect your understanding of civility when talking with students of color? Students indicate they treat everyone the same way. We're accused of trying to create a good white identity, according to these two racists. First, 
Participants stated that they tried to avoid talking about race or racism with students of color to minimize the chance that they would say something wrong. Another way the participants describe how they tried to be civil when interacting with students of color was to be overtly nice or polite. White students who make an effort, extra effort to be nice to students of color, Rudick and Gloss and Claim, are merely upholding white privilege and white racial power. Even students who indicated that they treat everyone the same were accused of reinforcing white racial power by professors who could contend that treating everyone the same as a spirit of colorblindness can actually be a race-evasive strategy. One way the instructors can challenge the students of WIC is by ensuring that white students and students of color engage in sustained, sensitive, and substantive conversation about race and racism. And that, my friends, is utter fucking bullshit. It's not going to happen. The moment you talk about race as a white person, you are called racist by the person that's losing their article. That's just the argument, excuse me. That's what it's about. So, of course, people don't say anything. See, this is what I've been talking about for fucking two almost years come this February. When there is no racism, we got to make some shit up. And to close out our our school, college, whatever the fuck, this is a real article also. ABC 6. High school eliminating the term freshman to be more gender inclusive. We'll call students first years. East Hampton High School wants to change the term to first year students to be more gender inclusive. The change was recommended by a gender and sexuality alliance group at the school. The group went to the school's handbook and came up with suggestions on how language can be more general neutral. No word yet on the school's plan to change its restroom signs with urinals and without urinals to keep gender binary. Brandon Garrett sums up my feelings on this. What the actual hell is America turning into? This is absolutely stupid. I am literally baffled. It is, once again, you got nothing else to come up. We got to make more stuff. We got to come up with something. We can't win the argument unless we can call you some ists. To the fucking weirdest shit, I will eat mum on Christmas Day, grieving daughter to sprinkle mother's ashes on turkey and pudding dinner. Real story. Grieving Deborah Parcel will have her mum Doreen for Christmas dinner by scattering ashes on the turkey. And for dessert, she'll enjoy Christmas pud with a dusting of her mum's last remains too. Deborah, 41, has felt the urge to eat Doreen's ashes since she died in May and has a small spoonful many days as close to be as close as possible to her mother. She's eating the ashes. That is freaky. Sex between snow monkeys and sika deer may be new behavioral tradition. I'm not reading anything else. We're going to just leave that shit alone. 22-year-old Virginia woman mauled by to death by her dogs when taking them for a walk. They were pit bulls. For no apparent reason, they ate her. What the fuck over? Then there's this guy. Man with world's largest penis is now registered disabled. Because he has an 18-inch cock. And he doesn't want to get a penis reduction. It's 18.9 inches. I'm just going to leave that alone. Then there was yesterday. Yesterday was the worst day of the year, astrologers say. The winter solstice is known as Yule, midwinter, and shortest day of the year and the longest night. It occurs at 1128 Eastern Thursday. 
But this short little day with the great many names also may be the worst day of the year, according to astrologer. The reason? Saturn. Apparently, the sun will appear to pass in front of the constellation Capricorn hours after Saturn does likewise. This will cause both of these orbs to line up for the first time since 1664, according to London astrology uh, astrologer, excuse me, Neil Spencer, who writes for the London Observer. He insists that starting something new on this day is ill-advised and will have long-term consequences. And anything you try to do Thursday will be more difficult than usual. Take more time and be more, it'll be more frustrating. And it was. So I, yesterday sucked. I couldn't get anything accomplished and little things took me longer. Now part of it's because I cut my finger really bad on my Christmas parade, but still I had to get like eight stitches. Beautiful. Knuckle. Ring finger though, so it doesn't, it's not as good. There's a middle finger I can flip people off with a wicked scar, but it's not going to work. Um, but it's, that's just weird. I have this article in here and I continued with it because we're after the date, but I continued with it because it was true. So, a music break. We're going to listen to a very short Christmas song because we're going to end on White Christmas, but a short Christmas song. This was from SNL last weekend, and this is a version by Foo Fighters of some peanut songs that I thought were just fucking fan-freaking-tastic. And we're going to go into our Christmas segment and start with a soundbite from A Christmas Story.
poking at the media bubble, one podcast at a time. Here's Tony Reed. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come on and fly with me. Let's fly, let's fly away. <laughs> Look at the loser, you only got a C plus. C plus, a C plus, not an A, not a B, but a C plus. The boss isn't happy, she isn't impressed. Your report came up short, so you failed the test. Ralphie, you're done. That's a fact. So give us the gun or you're gonna get whacked. What's the password? Tomato. Tomato. Hey, Meet the gal who makes the grade. Here she comes to serenade. Who can face the power she wields? Ladies and gentlemen, Michelle!
That, of course, was You'll Shoot Your Eye Out, a great performance. I can't remember. Who was the actress? Hold on a second. Let's let's get some stats. In the, well, you know what's going to show up in the article because there's some positive reviews on it. But there's not a lot. I mean, I was shocked. Um, we didn't watch it all on the first night because we were, of course, working people. So we had to get up early the next day. And we watched about till 9 o'clock or 8 o'clock. Um, and then we went in the back room and kind of fell asleep because it just happens. Um, I I just thought this was magical. This was just freaking magical. Of course, I am a Christmas story dude. And, you know, during this holiday, so you understand why I've been away from the mic a lot. You know, I've had an angel tree where we took care of 42 kids, multiple presents, not cheap shit. We probably had 120 presents in that room just for 42 kids, and they were expensive shit. I mean, I myself donated a brand-new Epiphone acoustic guitar that costs like 260 bucks um and two ataris to kids uh other people gave them the new atari with 120 games on it but you know we went all in we got some good shit for kids then i did a a christmas holiday fair which was for 38 boots and that was a saturday that was washed and then i did a christmas parade where i took the jeep and jazzed it up with the leg from christmas story wreaths Merry Christmas signs, LED lights, a projector, big Christmas bulbs on the front bumper. I mean, had a great holiday season. And it was culminated by this, because I really wanted to watch this. But I don't know if it's what liberals say, racism, because they they, they PC'd it. They had a black Santa Claus. People comment about that. Flick was black. We had Mexican characters in there. And... They took out Farrarara. They didn't do Farrarara. They made a political statement about it and had these five Chinese, Japanese, whatever, Asian dudes come out. They sang a beautiful rendition because they're actually a group that sings. They were on the, the sing-off back in the day. And at the end, what were you expecting? Because the father paused. Wow. Wow. What were you expecting? Oh, it was great. It was great. And the guy that, you know, I don't know his name, that the funny oriental dude goes isn't america great so it was a political statement but i took that out because it was 14 kids being just so talented and the way they shot it in one booth with multiple there's a scene where he goes in that um i am the genius on crazy it's a major award it's one of the songs from the broadway show which i've seen online i've never been to i've always wanted to go to and he was in one scene, and without you knowing it, they changed him, and he walked out through a red curtain to a Broadway set. It was just amazing. Snow, real snow, paper snow, soap snow. They did this up. It was amazing. Somehow, America didn't like it. There were the people with the racist comments, and then there was the media. Review, Christmas Story Live wasn't lively enough. Judging by last year's Grease telecast and this year's Christmas story, the Fox Network seems to like everything about live television except the live part. A game cast like Score and sturdy source material made Fox Big Holiday Spectacular Christmas Story Live a pleasant enough way to pass a mid-December Sunday evening. The presentation throughout was a letdown, like getting pink bunny pajamas for Christmas instead of a Red Rider BB gun. Director Bob Clark's original 1983 movie followed a winding path towards becoming a Yuletide staple based on the radio monologist Gene Shepard's stories of growing up in a small town outside Chicago in the 30s. 
Christmas Story disappeared from the theaters quickly, only to find an audience on TV for its honest, funny take on children process holiday. Stress. One of the earliest works of Dear Evan Hansen's La La Land composer Bench Pasek and Justin Paul, the Tony-nominated stage musical version of A Christmas Story, has been a regional theater favorite since debuting in 2009. Fox Live broadcast, ably co-directed by Scott Ellis and Alex Radutsky, smartly emphasized what sets the show apart from the film, big production numbers putting across generally tuneful songs. But while producing the musical live on the Warner Brother Burbank studio, Black Lot allowed for some impressive splashy moments. Primarily anything spotlighting Broadway regulars Chris Demonopoulos and Jane Krasinski. That's who it is. Jane Krasinski was phenomenal. She did that whole shoot your eye out, tap dance. I was just blown away. The staging made it look like a slightly shaggier version of a tape TV special. No one watching would have known this was a live production if not for the periodic cheers from an invisible audience and the occasional blown lines. Uh, oddly enough, most of the stumbles came from the stage vet Matthew Broderick, and it was weird seeing him old. I kept thinking Ferris Bueller, and there he was, but I, I think he did great. Who played the narrator, an adult version of Shepard Stan and Ralphie Parker, looking back at growing up as gruff father, Mr. Domenopoulos, an overprotective mother, and in integrating Maya Rudolph, an in in great ingratiating Maya Rudolph. While he huffed and puffed a bit early on, Mr. Broderick's folksy charisma made up for surprisingly frequent gaffes. Andy Walker was a fine version of the young Ralphie. Even his primary asset was his resemblance to the film's bespeckled star, Peter Billingsley, like the movie Fox musical, only slightly modified from the stage, followed an episodic structure, framing one kid's holiday misadventure around his efforts to convince his parents to buy him an air rifle. Miss Krasinski had one of the telecast highlights, playing Ralphie's teachers, donning a spangly dress to sing the warning, you'll shoot your eye out. Mr. Dinopoulos marched her in his showstopper, celebrating a Parker family patriarch winning a major award, a lamp shaped like a sexy woman's leg. The choreography of the um, Christmas Story Live quick changes, some of which were seen briefly over the closing credits, were astonishing, and Mr. Broderick's Shepard-esque description of how youngsters see department store Santas and parental punishments were as humorously poetic in the musical as in the movie. But there was a Certain crackling missing throughout the three-hour show, aside from Mr. Donopoulos and Miss Rudolph sweetly covering her stumbling over the line of Christmas Story Live, lacked the feeling of piece of theater unfolding in front of an audience's eyes in real time like a slick magic trick. No one should ever complain about a holiday present which, which, with this much thought behind it. Still, this version of Mr. Shepard's story is unlikely to become a 24-TV-hour-a-day Christmases to come. Oh, yeah, it is. I kept it. I downloaded it off some YouTube channel, edited out all the bullshit. I made an MP3 and I've been listening to it all week. I thought it was just charming. Then there was this. Christmas Story Live rating flop as viewers slam remake. We hope Fox kept the receipt. Blah, 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 blah. It had three-hour telecast was seen by 4.5 million viewers and delivered a 1.5 rating among adults 1849. Compared to Fox production of Greece last year, which had 12.2 million viewers and 4.3 rating. Heck, even NBC's notorious Peter Pan Live for 2014 did better with 9.2 million or 2.4. Based on these early numbers, A Christmas Story looks like the lowest rated TV live musical since NBC revived re revived the genre with its surprising smash, A Sound of Music Live 
2013 with 22 million viewers. That was fucking horrible. EW's review of the small screen adaptation of the Broadway production was somewhat positive. We gave it a B minus, while others were less so. USA Today gave it 1.5 stars of snark to the show, shot its own eye out. Terrible review. Naturally, any attempt to make a nostalgic title that considers a nearly perfect piece of entertainment will result in some fandom backlash, but Twitter was pretty brutal, slamming the production as a dumpster fire and the worst thing ever aired on television. They managed to ruin a Christmas story. Bobby Abernathy. Just watched the live version of Christmas Story Live, and all I can say was it was awful. Fox took a beloved Christmas story and drug it through the dirt. The story was bad. The acting was worse. In fact, they tried to make it, make it, make it's a musical make me sick. It is a musical, you fucking moron. PDX Proud, a Portland person. I'm going to have to watch the entire 24-hour marathon of Christmas Story to forget the dumpster file of Christmas Story Live. Mr. Wolf, no, just no. I'm a big fan of Christmas Story, and I was really looking forward to this live version on Fox, but this is an abomination. Christmas Story is about the farthest thing from a musical there is. Jason Riley, this live Christmas Story is the worst thing that has ever been on TV, and I'm including Aftermash. Karen Short, the live production of Christmas Story is unwatchable. Big Food Dirt, jerk. I order them at once to stop this abomination. I'm with you. Christmas Live Story wasn't horrible because it was a musical. It was horrible because it was a bad musical which butchered a Christmas classic, made worse by the fact that talent like Broderick and Rudolph participated in such a crime against humanity. Congrats to Fox for completely ruining a classic. Whoever decided to make Christmas Story Live, you belong in the deepest level of hell. The Reddit, a bunch of classic... They redid a bunch of classic films the past year. The original is always the best. Just as we always know, books are always better than the movies. But this monstrosity, Christmas Story Live, was overproduced and underimagined. In my opinion, it's a complete disaster. And you are all wrong. There was some positive. A Christmas Story was absolutely amazing. Probably the best live TV event so far. I didn't love Christmas Story. I didn't think it was executed as well as some other live musical. But it was fun, and everyone in it was talented, especially the kids. It was more enjoyable than the mediocre movie. So... And then, like I said, a lot of people dogged it for its PC, which made me go to the New York Times, which the review was horrible, and pen the following. You know, I'm about as most unpolitically correct person in the world, veteran who used to use to inappropriate humor and pretty, pretty against all the SJW snowflake craziness. But some of the comments I've seen on the net over Black Flick and Santa and taking fra ra la la out makes me question most of the internet. Yes, this had to be politically correct due to the world we live in. In 2017, the craziest year ever where those that didn't vote for Trump and the media who hate him are offended about everything. This show was magical and amazing. And how people couldn't see through it and got caught up in 2017 crap, well, you missed out. I went into this expecting Ralphie's parents to be a gay couple because Glad wouldn't protest if the show didn't tip the hat to the gay community. So the rest of the PC stuff seemed pale in comparison, and I let myself grab the gift that was this musical. If you are one of the traditionalists who didn't like the diversion off the story, well, I finally got on board with the Oregon Ducks having 25 school colors eventually. So give it a rewatch, and this time let it breathe, and you will see the joy of Christmas presented in this amazing show. Which leads me into my segment on Christmas. 
It starts with, if you're sick of pointless holiday songs, hymns and carols as you covered. If you're desperate for an alternative to the thin musical gruel of holiday playlist, then the hymns and carols of Advent offer a remarkable and lovely respite of truth and preparation. Here's one of the songs they suggest. break down in here this mourns is lonely blah 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 it's not subject matter we typically associate with a holly jolly christmas drawing inspiration from the psalmist and blah 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 and they're saying we should discipline of waiting advent grapples with sorrow and darkness a light in the darkness all these seriously fucking horrible songs that are just crazy and i go what is wrong with you what is wrong with some of the songs. I mean, Walking in a Winter Wonderland. What is wrong with you people? Oh, I know. You have to dog everything that's wholesome. And I think that's what's wrong with Christmas Story Live, which I'm going to play another one. This is a great, great segment that was in the show. There were so many, it was really hard for me to pick out what I wanted to play. So I'm just going to go with Ralphie to the rescue. It's a cute fucking song. But these are really wholesome things, and people don't like that. As we covered on the show last year, Baby It's Cold Outside is a rape song. That's what they said. Well, now, this year, the problem with Baby It's Cold Outside isn't consent, it's slut-shaming. Here's the article. It happens every winter. The clocks change, the chill sets in, and like the flurries of the first snowfall, a new cascade of shocked friends and acquaintances pepper my social media feed with observations that, oh my God, you guys, the lyrics of song Baby It's Cold Outside are actually super rapey. Aside from this being a little repetitive at this point, this phenomenon been in a personal hot streak for like a decade, its assertion is also well wrong. Because like with all art, even popular art, you can't draw any sort of valuable conclusion about it without a demonstrable understanding of two things, nuance and context. Oh, context? Wait a minute. You liberals don't use context for anything in 2017. Remember, he said she would do anything for it about freaking Pocahontas, and that was saying she did, oh, not Pocahontas, but uh, Gillibrand, and she was saying, he was basically saying that she sucks dick, or something like that. So, uh, we're going to now use context? Okay. Then you'll get Every, they'll get you every time. Penned in 1944, Baby It's Cold Outside is a duet usually stays between a man and a woman. The lyrics place the pair at the guy's home following a date. And let me pause for a second. If it was two women talk to each other, two men, nobody would have a problem with this. Because it'd be all, Glad would be on board. Baby It's Cold Outside, the gay version. Which we're about to see, there's another gay version of things that CNN ran with. But just 
blew my fucking mind. But then nobody had a problem with it. The lyrics place the pair at the guy's home following a date with the woman lamenting that she has to leave and the man trying to convince her to stay. The complaints of skeeviness stems for, first from the song's overall tone, which a man is putting pressure on a woman to engage in assumed intimate behavior. And second from one now famous line with the woman muses, hey, what's in that drink? Composer Frank Loster and his wife Lynn Losser famously performed the song together at Hollywood parties throughout the 40s. Well, I'm not the first to point it out, but based on the frequency of people bringing it up, it bears repeating. Consent is actually a problem, baby. It's cold outside. Because if you pay attention, you'll notice that the inclination to leave isn't coming from the woman. It's coming from the society that wants to control her. Here are all the statements she gives on the topic of heading home. I really can't stay. I've got to go away. My mother will start to worry. My father will be placed on the floor. I'd better scurry. The neighbors might think, I simply must go, I ought to say no, 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 sir, my sister will be suspicious, my brother will be at the door, my maiden iron's mind is vicious, they're bound to be talked tomorrow. Emphasis added by me, the lady was expressing her concern through a whole lot of words like better gotta and must, but not once did she say she wants to go. She'd rather call it a night and would prefer to get the fuck off. She anticipates admonishments from members of her shitty judgmental family, but she'll never implies the slightest moral quality of her own. What happening here is all that hard to figure out, especially if you remember the song was written at 44. The woman wants to spend the night with her date. She just knows that if she does, she'll be scarlet lettered by her community for having the audacity to make her own premarital sexual choices. She's not consummating or consternating over letting this guy down. She's consternating over being publicly and privately maligned for doing what she wants. And clearly this is a normal for her, and well as for her listeners at the time, who are expected to understand all of this and relate the problem with this song doesn't have to do with consent. The problem has to do with slut shaming. She goes deep on this. A few classy examples of vintage slut shaming. This is actually the backstory for the notorious what's in this drink line. Watch some old black and white movies making a crack about how strong your drink is or whether you've been slipping a Mickey was a way of humorously acknowledging that you'd like to use intoxication as an excuse for being bad and doing something your oppressive society wouldn't smile upon. Once you start looking, you'll actually find a lot of examples in 20th century films of situations that look rapey at first, but in reality serve to demonstrate the magnitude of shame placed on women for surrendering their virtue. And the classic 1959 rom-com, Pillow Talk, Rock Hudson, who is gay as fuck, plays a fuckboy named Brad who lives in a bachelor pad fitted out with switches next to the sofa that can automatically dim the lights, lock the doors, drop a swanky jazz record on the turntable, and expand the couch pull-out bed with a single click. A Aside from this obvious being douchey, it catches a lot of flack these days, mainly for the lock, since in all fairness, remote locks don't have a great rep right now. Doris Day is not impressed with the technology in Rockets and Smart Home, and she goes on to destroy that fucking movie at perpetuity. Not to mention that when activists, I'm going to the end, and socially aware people get something wrong but decide to just barrel forward with the premise anyway, it's bad for the cause. It makes us look myopic. It makes the cause look trivial. Besides, we already have mountains of books and movies and songs that feature genuine offensive content we have to reckon with in order to enjoy our favorite things. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to try to edit Mickey Rooney out of Breakfast at Tiffany. Ben Shapiro. What if there's no problem with baby? It's cold outside. <clears throat> Another person. Everything's sexist. Christmas spirit is dead. Why are you progressives trying to ruin everything? Everything. 
But it doesn't stop with music. Progressives also have to destroy TV shows. How about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? Christina Kakiri. Well, here it is. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is your latest problematic fave. Ready for this one? Every December for some past year's season, culture critics have wondered what to make of Rudolph. The tale of the red-nosed reindeer, perhaps the longest-running and best-loved holiday character aside from Santa himself, is, on its face, the heartwarming triumph of an underdog battling social and workplace discrimination wrought by a facial deformity. But the ultimate takeaway for kids is a little mushier. Do people with differences only deserve respect when those differences benefit their tormentors? And if Santa cares so much about the con- condemning naughty behavior, shouldn't he have stepped in to put the bullies in their place? A few popular memes have captured the dubious moral of Rudolph's story. One, as Santa beseeched Rudolph to guide his sleigh through the fog only to get mercilessly shut down. I'm sorry, Santa, but I feel uncomfortable giving you help after the verbal abuse and discrimination I've suffered during my formative years, the reindeer says. It has taken me a long time to realize that my self-worth does not stem from my usefulness to you. I do not owe you anything. Another image repairs a still from 1964 Rankin-Bass stop-motion TV special. The famous depiction of Rudolph Plight with the concise distillation of North Pole capitalist philosophy. Deviation from the norm will be punished unless it is exploitable. For generations, ever since the story was written as a poem in 39 and popularized as a song decades later, Rudolph's lesson was interpreted more simply. Don't make fun of people who are different because everyone has something to, to offer. But around the time that the Internet became the place for people to revisit problematic themes of old artwork and for parents to fret about how they were raising their kids, Santa and his crew came in for a long overdue reckoning. Rudolph doesn't want to teach you kindness or charity or any of that crap. It only wants to teach you spite and how to commit hate crimes, claimed a bomb blogger in 2010. Parenting groups on Facebook have hosted debates about whether it's better to watch the TV special with kids and discuss what's messed up about it or keep it away from them altogether. In 2013, Michael Schaffner argued in New Republic, that pretty much says it all, that the story presents a fairly grim hobbyist and Hobbesian vision of society. If you want to be accepted, you have to prove your economic utility, which in this case, a magical flying reindeer, appear to only be involved in annual sleigh pull. Fox News had a bit of different take. On 2011 episode of The Five, host Greg Gutfeld mocked a professor of special education who said Rudolph's red reindeer, red-nosed reindeer, promoted bullying. Like most profs, he pursues his opinion while ignoring facts. We know what smacks you around makes you stronger. I mean, how has the liberal-loving media helped President Obama? Not well. He has made more missteps than a tap dancer during an earthquake. But in his fan base, media shielded him, which is why he got creamed in 2010. In other words, Rudolph needed to be shamed for his appearance in order to teach his potential and even worse moral of the story most parents would agree. Later in the same segment, Andrea Tanteros, who would go on to sue Roger Ailes and other Fox News colleagues for sexual harassment, praised Rudolph for dealing with his hostile work environment the right way by declining to sue Santa. This year's critique of the beloved tale is 
situated themselves in an ongoing public conversation about politics, race, and gender. One writer in Alabama, where an accused molester spoke lovingly in the days of slavery, narrowly lost the race of the U.S. Senate, wrote that the PC world, where everyone is offended by everything, including Rudolph, gives us something to be depressed about other than the current soul-sucking state of Alabama politics. Twitter users have pointed out that male reindeer lose their antlers just before winter, while females keep theirs until spring, since Rudolph and his contemporaries are always almost always illustrated with antlers, there may be women whose labor is erased by the 64 film, which has all the lady reindeers watching in awe as their men pull sleighs. Other, others have suggested that Rudolph still identifies as male and is transgender. In real life, castrated male reindeer that do have antlers in winter are usually used to pull sleds. Food blogger and Ang- Angela David, I just can't believe this shit as I'm reading it, Recently likened Rudolph to black women voters who reliably turn out Democrat victories across the country even as prominent liberals and party bigwigs push a swing away from identity politics and towards a renewed focus on white working class. That is, the analogy suggests such Santa and the black-nosed reindeer are con- content to be little Rudolph's protest for fair treatment until they need him to save the end-of-year project. Angela Davis, Rudolph equals BW voters, and Santa equals the DNC. It's an actual tweet. When I rewatched the Rankin-based production this year, I was alarmed by the cold-heartedness of one of Rudolph's spectators in particular, Santa, who I always remember as a sort of silent, complicit bystander to Rudolph's abuse, not the ringleader he's made out to be in the TV special. Santa visits Rudolph's family cave soon after his birth. His main reaction to the newborn son of Donner, one of his most trusted reindeers. I hope that red nose goes away. After an older Rudolph nose cover-up falls off in public, revealed in red glow, Santa tells Donner he should be ashamed of himself for raising us such a son. This interaction is one of the clearest bit of evidence that the whole tale is, wait for it, an allegory for being gay in a homophobic society. Santa also repeats insults as elves when they write cute little songs for him, slouching and rolling his eyes like a peevish child during their performance. This depiction of Santa, who is typically portrayed as a generous fellow, may be especially confusing for children taught to please the Christmas gatekeeper with nice behavior. Santa, as unfeeling, punished patriarch, is not much of a role model. Then again, seeing a magical icon as fallible human whose cruelty is enabled by an unequal power structure could be a formative radicalization experience for a child. In real life, there are no Santas with unimpeachable moral compasses. Good people will still end up with coal in their stockings, and sometimes the people who shame others the loudest are doing the exact things they condemn. It's never too early to, to disabuse a child of her respect for authority. That's a lot to unpack, my friends. That's a lot to unpack. But it goes with the general theme which, why I started with a positive Christmas story life. People spend too much time in the political bubble and they can't get out of it just for a fucking month and let it go. They got to ruin everything. They even have to come out with a show because there's another winner and losers of holiday tradition. This was a fucking movie. The Angry Angel. My name's Allison Pike and I'm already dead. So, this is heaven? No, 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 no. I'm an angel now. You lived a good life, but not that good. Enjoy living in this hellhole! The universe still thinks you have some work to do. Sue? 
Chop chop. Do you really think I could do it? No, not a chance in hell. Angry Angel premieres Monday, November 27th, everywhere you watch Freeform. Well, isn't that nice? Angry Angel. Are you fucking kidding me? Ah! But it doesn't stop there. Because we are in. I'm going to pull off. I got the coup de grace from CNN. But it's the time of the resistance. Alt-left insanity. It's Christmas, so resist Trump. Hashtag resist. With cards and gifts. Note, normal people might get find some of this offensive. We hope, dear Lord, please. Tree decorated, check. Eggnog all fresh, check. Cookies awaiting Santa, check. Now all you have to do is hashtag resist Trump. Ho, ho, ho. That's the attitude of the establishment which delivered two separate anti-Trump Christmas stories this week because the alt-left proves how insane it is only on days ending with a Y. That's a huge thing on the internet now. It's kind of funny. Both stories use a resist thing. The first is, in troubling times, holiday cards send a message of resistance. Just what you want. Bitter, angry, we lost, screw you cards celebrating the birth of our Savior. So I'm going to open that link because I wanted to do it live. I didn't want to see it. I just want to open it up and I want to see what it shows. This is it. The Establishment.co. And it's an article in Troubling Hard Eye Cards Send the Better. All I want this year is Trump impeached is the first card. All right. Uh, plan of action cards. Year and, okay. Moose, Eve, and Aviva's plan of action. Four years until next election. Have you taken action this week? 50,000. Planned Parenthood donates donations in honor of Pence. Some of you are, are in your name from us. Fight hate. SPLC.org. $250 in donation to the ACU in your name. Do everything every day to fight the KKK. Wishing you health and renewed energy as you work for justice and against bigotry in 2017. Don't be silent. Fight like hell. Oh, that, that's a nice card. Peace. End the harm from religion-based bigotry and prejudice with two gay dudes kissing in front of the White House. Resist card. Beautiful little snowflakes in the background. Mmm. Isn't that nice? That is so nice. Oh, they're so sweet. Uh, the impeachment card. This one on the inside of that card. Dear Mr. and Mrs. Claus, because let's be honest. All I want for Christmas is a new cauldron, a space to heat my, host my event. Matriarchy now. Oh, that's a nice card. That's so nice. Another one, why should you become an establishment member for $5 a month? Because so few publications support high-quality work from marginalized voices and pay. Another card, a black ballerina in front of a, uh, a black girl holiday magic Christmas card. There's a nutcracker with a black girl, like, doing ballet and snowflakes coming out of her ass. I don't get what that's about. Um, so I, I, I'm going to keep this site... Because this is now another resistance site out there. But, uh, yeah, instead of Jesus' birthday, which they don't believe in because they don't believe in God, we're going to have resistance cause. Then the other one, then there's your 2017 Feminist Killjoy Gift Guy with 21 gleeful gifts ideas to help you resist babies resist. 
President Donald Trump a show lighting the national Christmas tree unresisted. So we'll click to that article, because once again, I wanted to wait it for lie. Your 2017 Feminist Killjoy Guide. All right. Mixed media, girls against more male art, digital shit in the uh, resist colors, uh, reclaiming my time. I remember the last year drew to close. We were all making cutesy 2016 dumpster fire ornaments and naively telling ourselves that the coming year was going to be better. It had to be right. Then in swept that weird personification of New Year's, the jolly baby of the 2017 slash, and he chorted darkly and was all, you fools, you have no idea how bad I'm going to be. We just looked at each other and laughed. And we said, oh, well, what does an ugly old baby know anyway? But guess what? That baby knew. Oh, did that baby ever know? Anyway, here we are at the end of 2017, grizzled, battle-weary, and staring down the barrel of the end of the year, Trump as president. This holiday season, it feels tempting to go full Hermit. After all, who feels like celebrating right now? Not me, that's not for, that's for sure. But you know what? I'm not going to give up my desire to crawl into bed for the next few months. Instead, my final act of resistance this holiday year, or long year of resisting, will be to celebrate the fuck out of the holidays. Isn't that nice? Celebrate the fuck. I'm going to spend the next few weeks shoveling canapes into my mouth and tossing back frothy drinks like there's no tomorrow. I'm going to have fun in spite of everything. My glee will be giant middle finger to the entire Trump administration. I'll be the William Wallace of Christmas parties, yelling that they can do their best to take our lives, but they'll never take our ability to experience joy. With that in mind, I offer you the 2017 Feminist Killjoy Gift Guide Resist Babies Resist. Princess Leia Rebel Mug. Get lost in a book pin. Truth bomb, bath bombs. Lately de-stressed, I've been taking a lot of Ativian baths. And not just baths, but luxury fucking baths. I mean, baths with Epsom salt, bath bombs, candles, snacks, drinks, the works. I spent hours reading escapist fiction in the bath and pretending everything is fine. It's very therapeutic. For a hilarious twist on the bathing experience, we're making truth bombs. Bath bombs that contain messages like, he doesn't deserve you, congrats, you're basic, look like fortune cookies, but more soothing to the muscles. How fucking sorry do you have to be to do that? Get a goddamn bath bomb with a fortune cookie to make you feel better about yourself. Are you serious? Hashtag resist bear shirt. It's Smokey the Bear with resist on his hat. Anger Girls Club coloring books. Dust to onks a tarot, a picture of a lion black woman. Many moons workbook. Dinosaurs eat men. Women inherit the earth. Patched. Mixed media paper samplers. Art snacks. Really? Art socks. Liberal Elegante Sorority Wallpaper Tapestry with a woman naked holding a woman flag. Fuck shame pin. Decolonize body images. Non-binary pin. That's what that pin was with all the oh one 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 oh oh you guys are so cute. I'm rooting for everybody black shirt with Issa Ray, a racist. That's nice. Uh, be an 11 tote bag with a girl that's a boy. Girl power pillow. A witch bows to no ma- bows to no man. Um, feminist necklace with a meat cleaver. Trans punk smash the cis team shirt. That's nice. Reclaiming my time pin. A Maxine water pin. Maxine waters pin. 
Oh, I'm going to save that site and go back to it. So that's some of the stuff that they, they've been doing because, you know, hey, <clears throat> the book article goes back. Can you imagine going through life as much of a Scrooge? Picture sending someone a Christmas. Oops, that's probably patriarchal. I mean, a holiday card that says in cute script, all I want this year is Trump and Peach. It's all encircled by nifty clip art drawing a Christmas wreath. Here's a theme. Those who spend their days in collective struggle for equality see the holidays as a time to send cards with social justice bent. Want to bet they send one of their psychi- to their psychiatrist? This is an actual quote that would send most English teachers in retirement. But as a cold, a fall sets in, and with time make holiday cards the following year, I wasn't able to reconcile the dissonance between how I was spending my days, worrying about and protesting the murders of black people by police, and blissfully joyous holidays holiday card floating through the mail from our white, gender, queer, dyke family to our predominantly white, predominantly straight, extended family. Microsoft tells me that 66 words all in one sentence. I can't decide which is worse, overwritten or overwrought. You'll need a moving company to unpack the darn thing. In the end, the author decided to send a typical card filled with lefty agate prop. I sent out a call and spoke to several people, including personal friends, who have answered this issue head on by using holiday cards as a tool of resistance. And then they break down the cars. Yeah. There's so much alt-left speech here that I was convinced that the author was ensconed in academia. There's no bio for Grover Weeman Brown, but there is one at HuffPo, and the photo appears to be similar. Natcha was right. Grover is a writer, activist, and future farmer living with their wife and two small children in Western Massachusetts. She researches rural homelessness and rural cultural politics. The United States received a Ph.D. in communication from UNC. Let's not resist the getting... They, they resist gifts, too. The article includes a mix of tarot, astrology, anti-man, and just whacking out lunacy. Actual quote, the Anger Girls Club coloring sign helps you work your self-care even more political than it already was. Because adult resorting to coloring books isn't infantization of anything. You can give the gift of astrology because it's great to celebrate made-up garbage every holiday. Using wonderfully inclusive language, Many Moons offers rituals, astrology, and and endless encouragement for every moon phase in the six-month period. There are socks with the girls against more male art depiction, because it's not that we hate male art, it's just that we don't really need more of it. Yeah, we don't hate that thing, just don't dare do it. And just so you know how woke they are, there's a non-binary pin for nerdy, sexually indecisive people on your list. Number 18 is a sticker that says a witch bows to no man, and which is demented description. The sticker is perfect for the feminist witch in your life, <clears throat> which I suppose is most of the witches in your life. And if you don't have any witches in your life, well, I suggest you find someone, because witches are some of the best people around. Yes, I like Buffy, too. I, on the other hand, know it was just a TV show, not a lifestyle. Don't forget the Maxine Water pin. Clearly, they don't watch her on C-SPAN. And the trans punk t-shirt with motto, smash the system. God, I fear for our nation's future. I do too. Because here comes the money line. This was an article on CNN. There's a new children's book out this Christmas. Takes us inside Santa's wedding. We meet Santa's husband, David. We're going to talk to the author and the illustrator ahead. Still ahead, a holiday children's book tells the story of Santa Claus with a fresh new twist. There are some families, though, not so happy about the book's 
uh, maybe not so hidden agenda. Yeah, they call it a political agenda. We have the author and the illustrator here with us live to talk about their new book, Santa's Husband. Well, with the Christmas holiday right around the corner, millions of people are getting really into the spirit with the thoughts of family and gifts and, of course, Santa Claus. Mm -hmm. So do us a favor here. Yeah. Victor had a very good idea. Close your eyes. Close yeah. your eyes with me and, and think of Santa and his spouse. Now open them. This is the cover of the new book. Is this the image that popped in your head? This is the cover of Santa's Husband, a new children's book that hits stores nationwide this holiday season. And joining me now, the author, uh, Daniel Kibblesmith, and illustrator Ashley Quatch. Good morning to both of you. Hi, hey, good morning. morning. So, Thanks for having us. Certainly. Thank you for coming in. This is new. Uh, Daniel, first to you. What inspired Santa's husband? Uh, well, uh... It was sort of inspired by the uh, annual tradition we have in this country of pretending that there's a giant war on Christmas and that uh, <laughs> traditional Christmas is under attack. So, um, uh, among other things, uh, we were uh, reading all of the news about uh, the Mall of America hiring a black Santa Claus last year. And uh, me and uh, my now wife uh, made a joke on Twitter that uh, if we ever had a child, they would only know about black Santa Claus. And if they saw a white Santa Claus at the mall, we would just explain, well, that's his husband. Uh, and then uh, Ashley and I knew each other uh, from the internet and from her illustration already, and uh, she jumped into my Twitter mentions and said, uh, boom, new book. Yeah, and, and <laughs> it's out now, available uh, everywhere, actually. So let me read a couple of pages here. Uh, it says, like any married couple, they have their disagreements, but they always manage to kiss and make up, usually over a plate of milk and cookies. Santa's gay. Do you see where I'm going with this? This is what our media and progressives want. We have covered Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeers fucked up in about 20 different ways, from being black women being abused by white people, to gay, to this, to that. Baby, It's Cold Outside is a rape slut-shaming song. Santa's gay. There is no, you heard the guy, there's no attack on Christmas. Oh, there's not, really. You got people sending resist cards. They cover that, and they dog this. This is, once again, Ralphie to the rescue. This was horrible TV, they said. Ralphie to the rescue, take one. Sell speed, let's fill in trouble, she'll get there on the double, or she'll face her too. Ralphie, do something! Tension is mounting, one minute left and counting, till she goes kaboom! Won't you save me, Ralphie? Tell the scoundrel to surrender! I'll save the day! Oh, he's got me, Ralphie! I could die in this disaster! Sucking a sticker. We've got some cash to pick up. Feel the bag with loot. <laughs> the 
telling the teller. Now hand it over, sailor, or we'll have to shoot. He's in the air! Right! Won't you help us, Ralphie? Tell these robbers to release us! Don't let me die. Try and stop us, Ralphie! Hope you're ready for some payback! Stay back! Forget the FBI! Covered that? Oh, they could have covered this. Five-year-old boy dials 911 to report Grinch stealing Christmas. Byron, Mississippi. A five-year-old Mississippi boy called 911 to report that Grinch is, was trying to steal Christmas. The Clarion Ledger reports that it happened Saturday in Jackson suburb of Byram. An officer went to Tylon Pittman's house to assure him that the green creature wouldn't take anyone's gifts. 
Tyler and I have been watching videos online. We became alarmed about the Grinch. He told his mom, Teresa Pittman, that he dialed 911, but she says she didn't quite believe him until the officer knocked on the door. The officer, Lauren DeVille, says she grew up loving the character created by children author Dr. Seuss, who's now a homophobe, a racist, and everything else, because we've already talked about that, how the left has destroyed Dr. Seuss. <clears throat> Talon says, has a plan in case a Grinch does appear. He says he will wrestle him and hold him until the police show up. Could have covered that. That was super sweet. But what does this stem from? It stems from the reality that this is a holiday loosely based on some pagan stuff that we kind of hodgepodged in. But the core belief is the birth of Jesus Christ who was brought here to this earth to die on the cross and save us all from our sins. A subject the left gets a little uncomfortable with. The media doesn't want to really touch because they're all fucking atheists. And they hate Christians because Christians tend to vote for people that don't have a D behind their name. Can't cover that subject. So we're going to tear apart Christmas traditions. We're going to destroy everything that has to do with Christmas. Because we don't want to touch the big subject, that it's about Christ. Can't do that, could you? That would just be outright horrible. So, my Christmas segment is to show you once again, there is nothing the left won't destroy. And during this season, a major one for Christians, they spend their time distilling down the true meaning about Christmas songs, Christmas shows, and they got to make sure that Santa is portrayed as a homosexual in a biracial relationship for some god darn reason. What the fuck is wrong with all you people? Why can't you take a break for a week? Just one week. Let it go. <clears throat> you wait till the New Year's show. <clears throat> I'm going to do a best of the year. But then I'm going to do a show just devoted to New Year's resolutions. Wait till we read the year in review articles. We read the, all the resolutions of Trump is gone. The patriarchy's killed. Everybody's gay. There is no cis normative in the world. The only people that are important are the demographics that they care about. Shame on you. Shame on every one of you. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. On a really bad note, Santa's gay, really. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. If you've got comments, send it to F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. FOPpodcast gmail.com. You can get this show on SoundCloud, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, iTunes, Blueberry, and Stitcher. Remember to check out the Flyover Politic webpage at F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T dot com. FOPpodcast dot com to see links to feeds for the show links to our facebook page and to email us they also see a link to every episode on the episode release page and my blog on the blog page our next show shall be uh, i'm going to do it the first i'm going to do a show on the first a little best of the year and i hope i have the resolution so i can put them all together because next week's going to be really really busy 
Um, so look, even though I just said I'm going to do two shows, I'll probably end up doing one show and combine it together. I hope you enjoyed this one, kind of covering the Christmas craziness and the tax bill. A lot of information. It's very long, I'm sorry, but when I don't do one for a week, i got to cover a lot of things. But the most important thing, I want to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas. And I hope the best gift you get is your loved ones around the table with you to break bread and share quality times as a family. It is truly a magical time of the year. And other than the resistance crowd and the people that have just lost their mind and the media that can't stop being political, I have noticed where I live through the angel tree in contact with people. Everybody's a little happier. Their step's a little livier, livelier, and they tend to smile a little more. So enjoy it before we get back into the new year and we go back to work. Is a magical time. It's just a magical time. I love Christmas. Christmas has always been my favorite, favorite holiday. Um, not for the presents, but for the ones I gift to people. And it's nothing better than somebody seeing somebody's eyes light up when they open a surprise gift that they didn't think they're going to get. Or even like Ralphie, they get that Red Rider BB gun, which might be a phone, an iPad, or whatever. I know this year I got some good stuff for my wife. She's getting her first tablet. She goes on the road a lot. She's never had a tablet, so I got her a tablet. And I got her those fancy Tiffany glasses that she's always wanted that cost an arm and a leg. Bought them in May. I don't even know what they look like because I wrapped them instantly. But um, got her a few fancy gifts and a lot of simple, practical ones because it's just me and her. Um, but I enjoy every second of that time. And I will do the traditions and put the Christmas PJs on, leave the tree on all night. I got the tree, all the lights on outside right now. They will stay on until Christmas day, even though my electric bill will be huge. And I enjoyed giving 10 Christmas presents to 10 kids that really needed it out of the 42 we handled, handled uh, out on our Christmas tree. Um, and then we donated to a bunch of, food banks in the area that needed food because there are people that are hurting out there and they need to have some Christmas joy too. So enjoy your family. Be wrapped in love. And I will talk to you in 2018. And as always, thanks for listening.